fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> Hey, what's up? This is Sharks Cross Hollywood, and we're gonna do a weird movie. Well, is this our? Is this gonna be our first? No, this is our second teen movie. Our first teen movie was Sex Drive. I don't know if we've done any other ones. Well, Scream, I guess, if you wanna. Yeah, Scream was a teen movie for sure. I mean, it. You know, it was nothing but twenty somethings. But this movie's got quite a few twenty somethings in there too, including my man Ben Foster, even though he looks like he's about fourteen. So we're gonna, we're gonna talk about Get Over It. Nobody's ever seen this movie. I don't know. I nobody ever talks about it. it yeah, gets... <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely the only podcast on the internet right now talking about Get Over It. It I can, gets. I say that with confidence. It gets lost in the shuffle of the movies that got yes teen movies like She's All That and Ten Things I Hate About You. Whatever it takes is another one that nobody knows about that stars basically all the same fucking people except for Ben Foster and Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> There's a shocking amount of crossover with some of these movies. This movie kind of represents for me the last time life was normal. Really? Because do you want to hear this, sound, this sounds like a story to me. Not for me personally but for like everybody because check out the release date here. Oh shit. March 9th 2001. I saw it not too long after that too. Uh, I was living in Romania at the time and I saw it probably I'm going to say mid-summer? Late summer maybe of uh, 2001 oh my god i'm just going by I'm, I'm going through the more like this list and i haven't seen a lot of these but you know jawbreaker strike drop dead gorgeous uh, crazy beautiful a hundred girls drive me crazy sugar and spice can't hardly wait that one's actually okay i like that one dick i like can't hardly wait bring it on everybody knows bring it on they're just gonna drop every kirsten dunst teen rom-com in there saved saving silverman it's a boy girl saved thing. was pretty good saved was pretty good saved i've never seen saved i thought you were gonna you say you would like saved. i thought you were gonna say saving silverman and only like, that movie was fucking terrible I no hated i hated saving one. silverman i'm sorry i have a friend who was like saving silverman is one of my favorite movies i'm like you need to get better favorite movies. I was going to say, guess who's wrong? You. Yeah. She's all that. That that one's an obvious choice. Again, not I, a, I don't care for she's I was going to say, not a good movie, but for me, it's one of those movies no, that I... No, I get it. Yeah. I saw it in the theater, <laughs> the same as this one, with my grandpa. He, he he took me to movies all the time at this at this point. But yeah, so again, the last bit of normalcy before the world really went to shit. I guess I can see <laughs> how that would be the case. This movie's actually kind of fun, though. So like no, it is. again, this is the last time we were allowed to have fun. It's stupid. Um, oh, it is one of the dumbest. I would not call it a good movie. No, but guess what? It's fun. And I was the perfect age when it came out. You were way too old for this shit. You're way too old for it now, but you're kind of circling back and it's it, kind of, and it's a novelty at this point. Cause all these people are like super fucking famous and like doing, <laughs> doing really good things. And well, a few of them are. Yeah. Several of them. No, the funny thing is that I was a very late bloomer in a lot of ways. I was, I was very old for my age in some ways in like my depression and shit it's like i've been depressed since i was four years old but at the same time like mentally i'm in this state of arrested development where i felt like i was 15 for the last 25 years that's because you got married early yeah yeah you're not <laughs> wrong you're not wrong as much as i was definitely too old for this movie at the time it totally was my kind of movie at the time too did you yeah. see it when it came out yeah I did. oh yeah I that's right we the just theater. we just fucking said that yeah, yeah. Well, summer I, 2001 i don't remember how i probably heard about it on tv like i do not remember seeing a trailer for this i just kind of like oh hey i'm gonna go see this movie i didn't see a trailer for it either it's just at that time the city i was living in in romania we got one movie at a time oh yeah so it was this movie and you're just like and, all right yeah and and the way it would happen there were three theaters in 
downtown. There was the first run theater that got the new movie. Then there was a second run theater that got the movie several months later. Little, again, little tiny cheaper, tiny bit cheaper. Yeah, yeah, little cheaper. And then there was the third run, and that got the movie like six months later again and at that point like large sections of the movie had been cut out and shit because the film got messed up and whatnot what the fuck? um I like that romania. was the that was the grindhouse theater of the city i lived in in romania so i went to see everything that came out because we had so few movies and we didn't have you know i mean we had tv it was romania so you weren't even allowed to have fun so you'd have to try you'd have you'd have to take it where you can get it <laughs> It's no no happiness in Romania. Too many vampires to be happy. <laughs> exactly. But no, like I would go to every single movie that came out. And I didn't care what it was. As long as it was in English, I would go see it. And uh, <laughs> yeah. and this was in English. So I went and saw it. And I was like, who the fuck is this Ben Foster douchebag? Because Ben Foster, it pains me so much to say this. He is completely miscast in this movie. He is Stanislavski <laughs> his ass through this movie. Like method acting. Like putting himself in the role of this character. He is crushed and heartbroken, and this is a lighthearted, ridiculous teenage comedy. For me, Kirsten Dunst and Ben Foster, they have like these, this weird chemistry that works. I'm not saying that their chemistry together doesn't work. It, no, and it works but, just fine. But yeah, no, and they, they did say like Ben Foster's not the not the teen comedy guy. No. He wasn't sure about it the whole time. But He's apparently, so fucking intense. It's like watching Daniel Day Lewis playing a teen. comedy. Apparently, he really likes this movie though. Ben Foster. Yeah. <laughs> so. So like that's awesome, but that that's the thing they they said like he you know he this isn't his thing, but they wanted something they wanted the romance at least to be kind of serious and heartfelt, and I think that actually works. Yeah, it's, it's surrounded by a bunch of dumb shit happening. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like if they had cast this with a bunch of really good actors, it would work. But he is this amazing actor, and then you have Martin Short, who is this amazing comedian, and they're working at the two different poles of this movie, <laughs> and everyone else is just muddling their way through the middle. Kirsten Dunst is very good at what she's doing, and she is a good actor, but she hadn't quite figured out where she was going just yet, you know? They also said that. They're like, well, not not, not that quite. They're like, Martin Short is a goofy guy and he's just improv and doing weird shit and she's just, she's acting. She's very professional. This movie is a huge swing. Like, it really tries some things. It really goes out on a limb. I have to respect this movie because it is genuinely trying to do something new with the format of the teen rom-com. It is trying to take it in a new direction. It is trying to break new ground. I cannot deny that. And it is failing so hard <laughs> and i don't know if i disagree or agree with that you're uh you're not wrong i don't think it is one of the more unique takes on this teen romance thing yeah. just because of how fucking weird it is yeah like i said they're they're taking huge swings out there they're trying things that no other <laughs> teen rom-com at the time was trying all these other teen rom-coms were playing it safe by the she's all that book basically like every teen rom-com at this time was trying to be she's all that because she's all that was the biggest fucking thing for a year yeah you know? no that 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 movie hit real hard and now guess who you don't hear from at all ever anybody who was in that movie rachel lee cook showed up in something that i watched recently <laughs> that was new and i'm like is that is that what she like looks the same but kind of older but she still she still looks the same like that's rachel lee cook the only reason i tell i could tell was because she was kind of short and it was her and her voice yeah i'm like oh wow and she is really short that was crazy i love josie and the pussycats all right i'm not saying she's all that i will probably not like as much going back to it i can't imagine somebody seeing get over it especially for the first time like now i would i would hate this <laughs> 
You know, I'm going to have to ask my one of my kids. I, I should watch this with my kids and just get their takes on it. You know, just yeah. be like, so so, like, what's your take on this? Because, you know, my daughter's 19. My son's 15. Those are the ones who I have access to. My my oldest son lives in L.A. now, is so he, I, I never... Is your 15-year-old a love-struck puppy? No, not really. Then he probably won't give two shits about it. Probably not. <laughs> but he, he is a movie guy, and it'll be interesting to... To just hear what their generation has to say about it. Because they've got a completely different way of looking at things than we do. Like, they really do. And uh, I'm not putting a value judgment on that. I'm not criticizing their perspective. You oh, know, everything's they, so different now. They like, just have a different way of looking at the world. Yeah, movies like this don't get made anymore. Like, Netflix is kind of doing it. But they're just that's just streaming shit. Yeah, Netflix seems to be sort of in the business of taking something that would be appealing on YouTube... And adapting <laughs> it, into, it a, into a movie, into a movie for kids. You did, you, did you? Did they they remade She's All That, but made it He's All That? I saw that with Tanner Buchanan from fucking Cobra Kai. Oh, really? Yeah. You're talking about the main the main guy. No, uh, that that's Jolo Miraduena. Who's who Tanner, Buchanan, awesome. Tanner oh, Buchanan? Oh, he's oh, that's right. He's, he's Robbie. He's uh, Johnny's son. That's right. Okay. Yeah, he's. I like that kid. He's a good actor. I hated him so much that whole first season. I wanted to punch him in the fucking face. Well, that's why I like him because he turned it around on me. But then, then by the time I hated yeah, him too. By the time the second season rolled around, I'm like, I still kind of wanted to punch him, but I liked him a little bit better, so it was okay. Well, it's. I think it's because the character is written as such a teenage douchebag in that first season, and then he sort of has a turnaround where yeah. he becomes a more sympathetic character, and you go, oh, I think it's a matter of the kid acting a little too well, sort of like Billy Zabka, maybe. You know. <laughs> That's funny. Where yeah. He got he only got 90 minutes. This kid's gotten, you know, uh two uh, or well, four, four. now oh, seasons. It's going to be five soon. I think if Billy Zabka had gotten four seasons worth of character development, we would have liked him a lot better too because he is And a we and we do now. Actor. And we do now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we like Daniel just a tiny tiny bit less because he's kind of a tool. But like he They the leaned worst. hard into that in the first season. He's the worst kind of tool cuz he thinks he's really fucking cool. <laughs> I mean Johnny thinks he's cool too, but like in the back of his mind you can tell that he's like I'm kind of a dumbass. Like Yeah, he's got Johnny's there's a deep self-hatred there for sure that he does a really good job of conveying while conveying the guy who's living in the denial of it. It's a crime that that guy had to wait 30 plus years to get a really meaty role like this. It really is. He's been acting the whole time too and like nobody knew. Yeah, but he, <laughs> but he hasn't been starring in shit and watching Cobra Kai, he should have been starring in shit. He should be a lead actor or minimally a well-used character yeah. actor. He Who'd, should be a, he should be, if nothing else, he should be like a Steve Buscemi or something like yeah. that. Who knew, man? Like that's kind of, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> Anyways, well, looking at Ben Foster, who the fuck thought he was going to become what he is now? Yeah, like, uh, no fucking clue there. I I just remember thinking he was so wrong for the role in the the, uh, the very first time I watched it, and I still think that as much. And I love Ben Foster. I absolutely love the guy. I'll watch anything he does. But this was hard. And for me, it's kind of the vibe. So I really like it. I, I, I actually I actually love it. I really do like this movie. I saw it when I was fucking 13. I can understand that. Like I said, again... This is like me and Warrior and yeah, the Sorceress. I would hate it if <laughs> if it was... This, if it, uh, Maybe. Would I hate it now if, if it was the first time I ever watched it? I don't know. Probably. I'm not going to say I hate this. I don't like it. But I'm not going <laughs> to say I hate it just because it's impossible to hate something that is willing to go out on a limb like this movie is willing to go out on a limb. Because it really is. While I was watching it... 
I was genuinely shocked that nobody dropped an F-bomb. Like, given that these are two guys in the early 2000s who are rivals and theater is involved, I can't believe the F-word didn't get didn't get thrown around more. I mean, it, it um, never it never shows up. I'm not talking about fuck, by the way, yeah, because that was completely socially acceptable in the early 2000s. Yeah, there's one. If gay, anything, it was going through a renaissance. There's one gay joke in the movie. Like, really? Yeah. When they're walking down the street and then Colin Hanks says to Cisco, he's like, oh, you know, you know, those theater guys have a reputation to be in. And then Cisco goes gay. And then Colin Hanks is like, see, that's what they want you to think. As gay jokes go, ages pretty well. Yeah. Because the joke isn't it's not an anti-gay joke. It's, no, it's an anti-masculine like, dude baggery joke you know this movie isn't as problematic as it should be yeah oh given the era fuck no not even close I mean, there's some stuff in but, it that hasn't aged super well there's a kevin spacey joke later but. <laughs> <laughs> the great kevin spacey any other teen comedy of the era and with all the notes that weinstein gave i'm, I'm surprised that that word didn't make its way in a little bit more i agree with you there <laughs> <laughs> so what's the deal with the notes? You, you This is not the first time you've mentioned oh, Weinstein's um, I'm, notes. I'm watching the movie with the commentary track, and uh-huh. every joke that you probably hate, they said, oh, Harvey told us to, to put that in there. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, that scene where he where Burke is on the date with that accident-prone girl, Dora Lynn. Oh, the check please line? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, not the check please line. That was, like... <laughs> what the hell year is this when I'm watching it, you know? Like, even in 2001, that had aged like milk. That part might have been, too. But Harvey wanted a scene kind of gross like that in the movie because Scary Movie had just come out. Well, I mean, he's not wrong. No, and Scary Movie was huge, right? Yeah, I get it. This movie, on the other hand. Like Donald Glover said, there was a time for subtlety, and that time was before Scary Movie. (laughs) Yeah, and so so all all the dumbest stuff that doesn't quite work, but is like, you kind of giggle at it because it's so weird... Uh, that's probably Harvey <laughs> Weinstein, and <laughs> that whole scene in the that whole scene in the restaurant was like, why the fuck is this scene even here? But just just keep in mind that their that their idea was to have this really really decent kind of grounded love story surrounded by all these wacky wild things happening. Yeah, I don't know if they completely succeeded in that. One. <laughs> hey man, I I buy I buy the romance for the most part, except Kirsten Dunst's dead eyes. Like she has really really dead eyes it's kind of this is not the first time you've mentioned that uh (laughs) i'm sorry my my mind goes back to the first episode of the year spider-man which there's also a scene where she has red hair in this movie and that's because they were it was a reshoot and she was in the middle of shooting fucking spider-man i missed it when they're sitting at the piano doing the alphabet oh yeah i i totally missed it i didn't i didn't get it until they fucking told me i'm like oh shit she has red hair that makes sense (laughs) god am i really that totally (laughs) oblivious yes well yes actually looking back on i've watched uh, this movie several times since i was 13 and i never noticed it until yesterday I guess neither of us are as observant as we ought to be. Should we talk about this dumb movie? Should we let, let's let's break it down, oh, everybody? Oh fuck! I guess we have to at this point, so, don't we? So it starts with that with the Miramax logo because because it was the ninety. No, I, it was two thousand one. Two thousand one. This was they bef- were still going strong before the Weinstein's the Weinstein broke company. up and before everybody knew that Harvey was the creepiest fucking asshole on the planet. I think people knew. Where, before it was it just, publicly out. It just wasn't out. confirmed. Yeah. So we have Ben Foster. He plays a character called Burke, and he's narrating over this montage of him and Allison. This movie actually was called Getting Over Allison prior oh. to Get Over It, and they also said that wasn't Get Over It was not our title. No, you know, I, I gotta say, the choice to remove the name from the title is probably a solid one. It, it is, I agree. Get uh, Over It is not the best title, but it, it, it really makes it feel more 90s than 2000s. It does sum up the what the movie's about, at least. Yes, it does. <laughs> 
And that is honestly a line I kept shouting at the screen get throughout. Over get over it. Get over it. <laughs> Fucking get over it, dipshit. Well, she doesn't want you. This time around or the first time? This time. Okay. Yeah, when I watched it in 2001, I was like, oh, that's so rough. So now I'm going to ask you a serious question. All right. I will attempt to give you a serious answer. But if a great joke occurs to me, I'm putting it in. Were you looking in a mirror? <laughs> I'm always looking in a mirror I'm not when I say, yell angrily at my television. I'm not going to say that you that you remind me entirely of Burke. No, I, I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. You're not wrong. I have at least enough self-awareness to know that when I get angry at movies like this, who I'm really angry at <laughs> is me. We've done a few movies where the characters do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, High Fidelity, Forgetting yeah. Sarah Marshall, 500 Days of Summer, which you will hear when mm-hmm. we redo that one because yeah, that's the thing. We've all been there. I just like to give him shit about it because it's <laughs> funny. I'm making sure you know, so this is this is therapy right here. Yeah, no, I get it. It's you're exposure absolutely, therapy. You're absolutely right. The whole reason I do this podcast is for therapy. It's Same. so I can talk out my problems with somebody who can tell me to go fuck myself if they need to. I'm glad I can help. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and she was asking me about like what kind of what kind of women I'm into and stuff. And I was like, you know, fucked up ones. Basically, <laughs> like I'm I find that I'm only attracted to and I only attract people with mental issues. Like if I meet someone who's super well adjusted, just like immediate boredom sets in. Well, that's actually funny because I thought that the whole time while watching this movie that Burke needs some fucking therapy the yeah. entire time i'm glad you brought that up because that's a segue right back into it <laughs> oh we should probably get back to talking <laughs> oh, that, about the funny. movie now that's, that you mention it no that, that that's funny i'm, I'm glad you, you kind of brought it around so while he's narrating this thing and he's like you know eventually you know she left and then she came back and she was super hot oh well then, it's, it's not just that but he's going on about how he knew fate would bring oh, us yeah. back together again i'm, I'm jerking off real boy isn't here. that a teenage attitude she comes back and everybody's like oh my god she's hot and i'm like yeah Jessica Sage Miller's super hot, but like, is she that hot? Like to where everybody's just distracted. She is because she it's is a movie. distractingly hot. She really is. <laughs> she shows up at the cafeteria one day in school and she's like, Burke? And they're, they're, and he's like, yeah, that that's me. And everybody's like, oh, the hot girl's talking to Burke. But I'm like, he's not that unattractive. His friends are relatively cool. Like, why is that so weird? He's on the basketball team. He's on the basketball team. So he's got to be a little popular, right? Yeah. So sure. like, <laughs> like Martin Short, when he's like, when he's raging at him later in the movie, <laughs> calls him Jocko or Jock. Head. Jockhead, that's it. Because uh, you know Martin Short's character grew up as a theater nerd and got picked on by all the guys on the basketball team. Because this was back in like the 60s. You know who he reminds me of? Martin for, Short. For me personally, his character in this movie. Who? You know that receiving manager that I'm always bitching about? Yeah. It's like that. That... <laughs> That just this delusion of grandeur that everything he's doing is so epic and oh. cool. And, and you know, what is that part where he's walking away after after calling uh, Burke a jockhead and somebody walks in front of him. I swear this had to be improvised. Like somebody just accidentally walked in front of him when they were rolling. And he's like, excuse me, I'm a teacher. Thank you. Martin Short is really great in this. I don't want to undersell that because he's plays such a douchebag character and he's he so plays good it at it so well but that's the problem with this movie is that you have martin short on the top of his game playing way over here and you have ben foster not on the top of his game he's not on the top of his game but he's getting his start and he really is an actor who would come to the top of their game and would be one of the better actors working in hollywood of his age group but he's playing completely <laughs> at the other side this- of the spectrum here Oh, and he, uh, Martin Short actually make also makes that comment. He's like, this is your theatrical debut. You need to take it seriously. This was literally Ben Foster's, Foster's theatrical, theatrical debut. debut. <laughs> 
because he'd been in stuff before, but nothing, nothing theatrical TV and some TV oh, movies okay. and straight All to right. video stuff. So this is his first starring role aside from that show he did, Flash Forward with the chick from. Uh, but again, Firefly TV versus movies. Yeah. Wait, wait, what chick from Firefly? Jewel State. Was she the mechanic? Yes. Okay. So this is all leading up to a breakup. Like he, he says this thing. He's like, I big thought, fucking surprise. I thought we'd be together forever. And then I always liked this line. Boy, was I a dumbass. <laughs> you know, that's the one thing that I'll say about this movie is as much as this is like high fidelity in that respect, in that as much as I'm yelling at the screen, you know, fuck you at this character <laughs> the entire time screaming the title of this movie. At the end of the story, he does end up getting over it. And the message of the movie really is just get over it, which and, is the right message. And fuck your best friend's sister. <laughs> I don't know if I I don't know if I'd say that. Don't use your best friend's sister as your rebound. That's a bad idea. That's I think, gonna go to a bad but place. But it, it it is played pretty well because he doesn't mean to. It just kind of happens. It is. It he's is. not like it's, he's not actually using her for anything. She just yeah. It, it, it happens pretty organically. Actually, it's kind of yeah. nice. They start hanging out like they knew each other. Obviously, and yeah. then it, then he just has that dream where he's like, oh fuck. Okay, the dream sequence. But that's is, later. That's a whole other thing. But the point of it is, is like I said, as much as I'm very irritated by what's going on in the story. I do like the message of the story, and I think it's a good message to send to teens, which is if a girl tells you she wants to break up and it's time to move on, just move on. Good advice. And she does. The the dreaded, we need to talk. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm shocked it didn't occur to him way sooner in that conversation. Well, yeah, because she's like, so, you know, you know, like, things happen, like bread molds and people (laughs) die. And he's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, that happens to relationships. Too. And she's like, well, remember, remember that first time we kissed the sparks? And he's like, yeah. And he's all perking up. Oh, he's not just he's fucking reliving it. You can see yeah. it in his eyes. Ben Foster is so invested in this character. And is he like, is, is he thinking like, oh, fuck, is she going to propose to me or something? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's that, that is where his mind is going. It's frustrating to watch. And then she's like, well, now when we kiss, that feeling's kind of gone. And then it gets this weird echoey reverby thing. And then it like flash it. He like goes into himself for a second and then pops back. No, it out. has this like vertigo scene <laughs> yeah. where he like he's spiraling into this void in his mind. That's one of those scenes where it's like big swing, but ultimately a miss. But I totally get where they were going because yeah. that that that's a thing. That like how do you in, in how a do movie, you convey in a that? movie like this especially? Yeah. It's it's not an introspective drama. It's a fucking dumb comedy. So you got to kind of this is again why Ben Foster was totally miscast because they basically constructed this scene for a worse actor. <laughs> Ben Foster can convey with his with his look that spiraling inner death. Like he he actually can convey that. Could he at that point though? I think he could because he like I said when you're when you're watching him in this scene, you can see him reliving that first kiss <laughs> when she starts talking about. It. You can see it going through his mind. He conveys it. This scene was not made for this man. <laughs> <laughs> so so they're they're breaking up. She, they they walk to the door. She opens the door and he's like kind of standing there and he's ready to walk away. And she goes, "Hey, Burke," and he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> and the hope, the hope in his eyes. And then she 
pulls a box out and she's like here i packed up most of your stuff i thought it'd be easier then she just hands it to him and then he just has this this dead fucking look on his face for the next three minutes because this is this is filmmaking talent right here oh boy this is his orson wells scene this is this director's i'm a filmmaker scene well and it's it's pretty good honestly it is uh again huge swing this scene actually i think does hit it's just that the rest of the movie can't quite keep up with this particular scene so it is a single shot of them they're just they're just walking he's walking down the road with all these people dancing behind him to captain and to neil love will keep us together but vitamin c is there lip syncing to the whole thing is this a cover of the song that no. she did or is it no, actually it's, it's just captain captain and to neil's yeah. version okay because yeah it didn't sound like her style no it always weirded me out when i was a kid because i'm like that doesn't sound like her i'd heard her graduation song or whatever the fuck it was everybody did you could yeah. not escape it that year but yeah it, it, it's a really good it, this it took him six takes that's it to get this really which seems like seems like a lot six takes right but that's not a lot for something this intricate the timing in this is really really key the pace the speed of the camera the speed of foster's walk versus everybody behind him's walk like this seems like it would take a lot more takes than that yeah i mean i'm sure they did a lot of choreography beforehand (laughs) they apparently played the song on a radio over and over again just walking down the street just to see how long it would take to see how far they could get and there's like dancing and all these people are pairing off it's a great scene it's like honestly this scene reminds me of some of the better scenes now granted it's not as well constructed because they didn't have the budget and the you know the the talent available to do it but it reminds me of some of the better scenes of la la land this is something i would expect to see in a movie like that la la land is seriously one of my favorite movies which is saying something because i fucking hate musicals this is like halfway a musical yeah i mean yeah they do yeah it's halfway a musical yeah you said it correctly the first time i don't know why i'm trying to correct you (laughs) right when this scene gets done like all the couples are dancing behind him and he just kind of stops in the middle of the road this is the first time i'm like damn guy you need you need therapy like (laughs) he just he screams and then he wakes up in his bed still screaming i'm like oh my goodness if that was all in your head and which i mean obviously obviously it is but yeah you're right he needs therapy you're 100 percent right uh, and then we meet his parents, played by Susie, Susie Kurtz, Kurtz and Ed Begley, Ed Jr., Begley Jr., who are, oh, these guys are so great in this movie, again. But they're playing in the Martin Short movie, yeah. not w- the Ben Foster movie. <laughs> so his parents host a show called Love Matters, where they're like sex therapists, or some relationship and sex therapists, and Coolio's there. The <laughs> obligatory two and a half second blink and you miss it celebrity cameo he wasn't even really famous anymore at this point like he was way past his prime which makes it even funnier in my opinion it's a very strange moment it's a fun i like it like he he, literally (laughs) his entire scene the entirety of his scene is him going huh because ed big says hey man you want to give my wife a spin It's it's good. So Burke has to go to the studio. I fucking love those two in this movie. Are, are they're, they're the best? S- but honestly, Ed Begley Jr. and Swoozie Kurtz, independently of each other, together or not, are generally the one of the best things about any movie that they're in. Like uh, if you watch Bubble Boy, Swoozie Kurtz fucking kills it in that. If you watch Portlandia, Ed Begley Jr. has this role that comes in where he's this diner shop. Oh my God. I, I could watch Ed Begley Jr. just play a weirdo all day. For Susie Kurtz, my uh, my experience with her was in Liar Liar. She plays the other lawyer. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of she, she calls him an over actor, and it's really funny in the outtakes. <laughs> <laughs> that makes Jim Carrey laugh real fucking hard because it's like it's true. 
Especially that, like that was liar, liar was like peak Jim Carrey overactoring. So Burke has to go to the studio to tell his parents that Allison broke up with him, but the, they they take the long way around. He's the dad's like, well, what about it, man? The little snafu in the channels of communication, this, this, and this, and then he's like, no, it's nothing like that. And then both of the parents look at each other and go, oh, sex. sex. He's like, no. <laughs> she she broke up with me and then the audience is like watching now they're like oh poor baby and shit it's 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 pretty stupid it's pretty <laughs> he's like maybe this isn't the best place to have this conversation i believe the word is share when we're not feeling sunny <laughs> uh then they go to a dance club and there's all sorts of bad cuts in this in this scene if you notice like kirsten yeah. dunst is dancing and then she has a tank top on but then it cuts back to them talking to her and she has this like fishnet thing over the tank top oh no i missed that entirely and then uh colin hanks goes to grab the beer from her hand and he's got a jacket on in the wide shot but then on the close-up he just he doesn't have a jacket he has bare bare sleep bare arms bare the, arms ha. the question that kept coming back to me throughout not only this scene but the later scene in the other club how the <laughs> fuck are these high school children getting into this these places the first dance club seems like it's probably like an all-ages hanging not an all-ages hangout but like a teen hangout and i don't know maybe uh i know that burke and his friends are 18 so i don't know how the fuck the sister gets in there fake id maybe yeah but i mean it's never it's never brought up we just just accept it move on <laughs> They get into a sex club later. Like, I'm sorry, that's a 21 and over. You could go into bars when you were 18 until like 2005 or something. Because I didn't really start going into bars until I was probably until about 2006 or 2007. Well, no, now I turned now I, I turned 18 and they're like, oh, uh, you have to be 21 now. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I never I never tried to go to a bar until I was uh, probably 26 or 27. So that would have been in 05, 06, something like that. Presumably you could get in, and but you just couldn't drink alcohol. Also... The cops come and bust it, so I think they snuck in somehow. They one of them like had to know somebody. So. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's so far beyond the pale because Ben Foster, even though he is twenty when he's making this movie, looks like he's about fourteen. He, he does, looks like yeah. my nephew. My nephew is fourteen. He play, plays a decent high schooler, like in that at that. Oh age. yeah, actually, all of them do. It's kind of weird. It's, even it's just again, he's too intense. We'll talk about Cisco here later because that's just oh, that's just a fun thing. Um, anyways, Cisco. so apparently he made this before he broke with the thong. Yes, song, apparently, which yeah. shocked the hell out of the me. The thong song like hit in the middle of filming. Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't know that. Because I, I didn't even think about it because like the thong thong, the thong thong thong, the thong song was out by the time we saw it. Yeah, exactly. And it was huge. So you just assumed they cast him in the movie because of the yes. thong song. Yes, exactly. Because he's not a good actor. No. That's the thing. He's not a good actor. But you know what? It works and he's charming as fuck because he's kind of adorable. He's he's definitely got a <laughs> charm to him. I'm not going to say he doesn't have a charm, but it's not like a Will Smith level charm. It's like a, I mean, well, in recent, in recent months, Will Smith has got a lot less fucking charming. So <laughs> I'm talking about Will Smith at that time. Okay. When, at, when he was at peak charm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> well, but then I guess if I am talking about that, almost nobody has that level of charm. No, that's impossible. Honest. Right? That, that's like a, that's like a, a, a like a, a demigod level of charm. Like I think, like some sort of mythological character has Will Smith's yeah, level. Even the rock, as like charming of a dude as he is, he's like almost uh, Yeah, he's, he's like, not, quite not quite on late nineties, early two thousands Will Smith. No. So again, at the Dad's Club, of course the ex girlfriend has to show up. She shows up with Gamora, by the way, Zoe Zeldana. Which shocked the hell out of me. I was like, Jesus, Zoe Zeldana was in this too. Oh, and, and, and Mila Kunis is there. So of course. Apparently Zoe Zeldana was never not the hottest person in the room <laughs> she always was it's awesome mila uh, kunis looks like a 
13 year old in this she was like 17 when they made she this. looks like a little girl she always has though we're going to talk about somebody that i dislike now okay. in this same scene so while allison's there hanging out with gamora which is awesome the, the <laughs> cast in this movie is fucking ridiculous striker shane fucking west hell he's so uninteresting in everything that he's in i'm sorry shane west you are the reason sean connery stopped acting <laughs> What? He was in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He's probably not as bad as I just don't like no, his face. No, he's that bad. I, I agree with you. I hate him in this, but it works in his favor in this movie. Because, because he's supposed to be a pretentious douchebag. Exactly. Yeah. The only thing is, is like, I get what they were doing with the English accent thing. It's supposed to be fake according to the it. writers. Yes. I get it. Yeah. But it is so painful to listen to. But it's supposed to be. It is. I, I know. But again, yeah. swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. They were trying something. They really were. It's very clearly intentional. He's very, he's very hateable. But if anything, I think he was too well done. There's a couple moments between him and Ben Foster that I really want to talk about later because they're really funny to me. There are some great moments and there are some absolutely terrible moments between the two of them. (laughs) Because neither of them are playing on a on the same playing field. Ben Foster is playing three-dimensional chess over here, and this guy is playing sorry or something like that. Like like they're they're not on the same wavelength at all so uh allison and her friend her name is maggie they're talking and allison's like i'm he's so devastated i'm so burke of course like i just felt bad for him i i hope he gets over it and she's like are you sure you're over this and he's like she's like yeah i am and then striker comes up behind her and grabs the water bottle out of her hand and opens it up and then just hands it back to her and then just walks away like creepy much that that scene I get that it's supposed to be like the... Charming, mysterious, and sexy. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But Um, it seems super rapey and weird, and I don't like it. It's not just that. It's that it makes it seem like she was already with him before she broke up with Ben Foster, which she wasn't. Which she wasn't. Because then later on, we sort of see him coming on to her, and you realize that they're not together. But in that moment... That's what you got out of that, though? He moves into her so intimately, and you're right, it's creepy if you don't think they were together, but my mind doesn't automatically go to the worst place. My mind tries (laughs) to assume that it's not the worst possible scenario. That's why you're so depressed all the time, because you you have a little bit of hope, and then you just get fucking knocked down every time. And the awful thing is, that's a moment where they're doing something that is sort of contradictory to rom-coms at this point. In that they're taking the girl who just broke his heart and making her sympathetic. They're saying, hey, she's just a person. She was just being honest with him. And it doesn't thrill her to have broken up with him. It's just what had to be done there. It's not that she (laughs) sucks. It's that the situation sucks. And they're showing you that she didn't want this. It's just she didn't feel anything for him and it was time to break up. That's a great moment, especially for a teenage rom-com because they always paint her as a bitch in every other movie. In every other movie, she's just a bitch. In this movie, she's just a person who is in a rough situation. She feels bad about it. She didn't want to hurt him, you know? She's a way more sympathetic character. And then he moves in, and she's just like, looks at him like, yeah, I'm all about it, you know? And then I've got questions like, well, is she a sympathetic character? Yes and no. Not all the time. Yeah, yes like, and no. Like later on at the towards the end, I'm like, oh, I hate it. I hate it. You know what I'm talking about too. I know you do. Uh, but anyways, so then we then we cut to Stryker, like just in this Stryker, in this Jesus group of girls. Christ. His name is Bentley Scrumfeld, but we're gonna call him Stryker because it's easy. He calls himself Stryker. Uh, he's he's in this group of girls, like, and he's talking. It's like my father was in the foreign services, so I spent most of my time traveling around Europe. And in I, the worst Amster. fake English accent yes. you can imagine. It. It's so bad, it makes my English accent look authentic. 
And this was peak boy band, by the way. Yes, it was. So he talks about how he toured with a little singing group called the Swingtown Lads. <laughs> Which is a pretty perfect name. So then, then we cut to uh, uh, Colin Hanks. By the way, uh, Tom Hanks' son. Colin Hanks is great. I, I like him. He's he's a cool guy. Colin Hanks is one of the correctly cast people in this movie. Colin Hanks was the right choice for this character. Yeah, he said he was really excited to do it because he usually plays these really straight lace types, and he's like, "This one, I get to kind of play the party guy," and it works. It was it was a really good role for. Well, I'm not gonna say it was a good role necessarily, but he was good casting for this role. This is an MPAA issue with this next scene here. Ben and him are talking. Old Burke and Felix is his name. They're they're talking. He's like, "Dude, I'm gonna go over there. I'm gonna talk to Allison." And he's like, "No, you're not going over there. If you go over there, you might as well put your stick on a cracker." If you watch closely, you can see that he totally said you can you should put your dick on a cracker. <laughs> But the MPAA, I fucking hate the MPAA because they arbitrarily nitpick this weird shit. Yeah, that is definitely one of their most annoying habits is just taking these seemingly random <laughs> like like th- there, there's analogous material elsewhere in the movie. It's not like that was this glaring obscenity, you know, yeah. but they were like, nope, that one is a bridge too far. It's like that that scene from Fight Club where, where Helena Bonham Carter's like I ha- where she says I haven't been fucked like that since grade school. Yeah. But what what, what was the original line? The original line, line was I want to have your abortion. Yeah. And they're like that's too much. That's I'm like oh, it got way fucking worse when you guys told like anything else just not that line. You heard the story, right? Like like they came up with that line and then the MPAA was like or no I don't think it was even the MPAA I think that was like just like a studio note the studio yeah. note and they were like please change it back to the abortion line <laughs> they were like nope that <laughs> one's staying nope, you said anything because <laughs> <laughs> it is like such a fucking horrifying line <laughs> and it's funny that as shit fuck. that shit like that shocked me when I saw it in the theater I was like Jesus what a line <laughs> It makes me laugh. I love that it's line. It's fucking so hilarious. Much. So, of course, Allison and Stryker, they're dancing and shit. They kiss. Burke sees them and they do this cool shot. Apparently, this was like most of the shots in this movie that are kind of cool are in camera. So, really? like, it, like, the camera like zooms in on Burke and then it cuts away and then it cuts back to him. And apparently, they just said, everybody, run. And they just left Burke just standing there by himself. That is a really good shot. Yeah. It's one of those things where you feel like you're the only one in the room when bad shit's happening. Yeah. And, just, and, and so, and, and like, I mean, for the listener, if you haven't watched the movie, this is one of those ones where you can probably find not watching the movie. It's not like this is a must see. It's not like it goes anywhere you don't expect it to go. No. Watch it because it's fun and dumb. As, but, you know, by the time you're past the setup, you know where it's going. You know um, exactly what's going to happen. So spoiler alert, it's what you, spoiler it's what you alert, think it there's is. There's no fucking spoilers. <laughs> there are no surprises in this movie other than the execution. Yeah, so yeah, like he has this moment, the, the moment where they kiss, it cuts back to him and he is surrounded. I mean, this is a crowded dance floor. It's packed. It looks exactly <laughs> like you would expect a packed club full of teenagers yes. to look. And you've got all these, you know, this flashing lights, by the way. Fucking you up really photo, good. Photo-induced epilepsy. Oh, man. E- epileptics, be careful. And yeah, they zoom in on his face and then they pull back and suddenly it is just him and them and it's a it, it really is good i didn't know yeah, i didn't realize camera. that that was entirely in camera because there are there are some odd shots in this movie where it's really obvious that they green screen shit and you're like why did they green screen that of all things you know because like they, they had to do it in like five minutes like the scene at the <laughs> beginning where he's walking out the door and she's like hey burke 
And he turns around like, yeah, that scene, it's green screen. And you can see the cutout line around him where they where they composited out the background. <laughs> and it's like, why that shot? Not made for HD, let me tell you. <laughs> Although, you know, I would like to see this get an HD remaster because there are moments in this movie that look really good or would look really good, like the... Uh, the walk, the street walk. Yeah. It's striking and really like colorful and yeah. stuff. Like it, it probably it has that nineties yeah. pop look to it. Before everything decided, even to though be sad. it's not technically nineties. Yeah, Burke's gonna have a fucking breakdown here in a minute. We cut to Maggie and Allison in one of their bedrooms. I assume it's Allison's room because Burke shows up in a second, and they're watching this fucking music video, and it's called Love Scud, <laughs> and it's it's the Swingtown Lads. <laughs> I fucking love how how accurate it is, though. Oh, that, that song that which is on the DVD also just like it's like a thirty second music video clip. <laughs> yeah, it's really fucking funny and so accurate to the time and the boy band thing. Very the boy band thing. <laughs> oh, they fucking nailed it. And the sound, the sound of his singing and everything. It sounds it's perfect. It's like, dead on. It's obviously a joke version of it, but you know you wouldn't know. Like together did the same thing. And yeah, that was future episode. By the way, we got to do some together. I know. We, this fun. is not the first time that's come uh, up either. Then they hear. Oh, this is where she says he calls himself Striker. What did he say when he gave it to you? She's like, Oh, I don't know. He asked me out, and then yeah, I know. I think that boy is razor fine. She says. I'm like, Ugh, <laughs> I really hate that line. Which Zoe Saldana would say that about me. Yeah, no shit. If she if she ever saw me, she'd be like. That boy is pork belly chubby. And then you hear you hear singing coming from outside their window. Oh, Allison, I can't believe you dated that loser for a year. Burke, your aim sucks. It's Burke on her fucking roof. Singing Allison by Elvis Costello. Very poorly, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. But he's given it his fucking all, and it's so adorable and sad. He seems drunk. You think? Yeah. Maybe just a little. He definitely seems drunk in this scene. There's something weird about this scene, okay? And did you notice it? She has a sliding glass door for a window, and there's no porch outside. You know what? Rich people do weird shit. Yeah, that's strange. Because even that roof line... Which, admittedly, the roof line is kind of flat, so, like, you could see it doubling as a patio or something, but it doesn't reach her window. But it's a sliding glass door window. I did not think about it or even look at it. I was too busy laughing at Ben Foster singing. (laughs) It's pretty bad. He's not a good singer. But it's funny. Yeah. I think it's overall a good scene. Then we cut to the next day at school. I guess I assume it's the next day, whatever. One of those days. It's it's Monday. Forrest Oates, Dr. Desmond Forrest Oates, fine arts chair. (laughs) See, I I thought the first time I let I actually rewound this sequence <laughs> because it sounded to me like he was saying I'm Dr. Desmond Forest Oates Fine Art Chair, meaning oh. this is Forest Oates <laughs> High School, you know? Like the way they phrased it is not a good introduction. Oh, no, but then because Desmond Forest Oates is a great comedic name especially when martin short says it and you know for like to get pretentious about teaching high school drama is just 
hilarious. That's why he reminds me of that guy so much because he would yeah. he, he would actually do that. I can't say enough good things about Martin Short in this role. Like he he really is one of the best things about this movie. He's he's <laughs> As as I said to you when I came in today, his outtakes from this movie are funnier than the whole movie. I like this scene because he's he's immediately a dick. Jessica, yes. his oh, assistant, he's a colossal dick. His assistant Jessica, what does he say to her? He's like, All right, a little to the left, Jessica. What direction do you think left is? See, because if you go with your instinct and reverse it, I think we have something happen. How difficult is this? I'm, I'm so alone. I think I am trying. You are intimidating. Well, you are frightening me. Do you understand that? He's like, I worry about you. How do you get dressed in the morning? Do people come in and just dress you while you lie in state? The way he phrases it is so fucking good. And then uh, Kelly and Basin, Mila Kunis' character's name is Basin, which is weird. Yeah, that's very strange. Oh, by the way, Martin Short, for the listener, he has this gum, these gums. They are not his real gums. (laughs) I'm laughing because... They they put these fake gums on him where his gums come down like two inches below his lips when he smiles and then he has baby teeth on the bottom of them. And it, they are so fucking ridiculous because I, I actually looked up a photo of Martin Short smiling because I couldn't believe those were real. And they're not. It's not. They totally put fake gums on him to shrink his teeth down to baby teeth his, <laughs> to where his, his whole top layer, top row of teeth is baby teeth with this giant layer of gum sticking out. That's... It's fucking hilarious. Kelly and Basin come walking up and they, she looks at the sign and goes, a Midsummer Night's Rockin' Eve. So, oh, by the way, this... <laughs> This is one of those movies that came out in the wake of all those, let's take Shakespeare and turn them into teen movies. You had Clueless, which I just fucking, I keep forgetting that that's a thing. I think that was the one that really kicked it off. Well, uh, now granted, Clueless wasn't Shakespeare. Clueless was Jane Austen. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Emma. Emma but, right. you know, same thing. Mining classics for teen rom-coms. That's such a weird concept, but it works. Uh, yeah, like, you know, She's All That. It I'm was sure that's hugely, one. It was hugely popular for the, the entire 90s. They weren't all teen comedies, though. Uh, one of them, starring Julia Stiles and Mackay Pfeiffer, O, was based on Othello. Oh, yeah, that's right. That, and that one that one was kind of a teen romance drama. Yeah, tragedy, where everybody fucking dies at the end. Really? Yes. I never did watch it. They, had, they all die at the end. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Because that's okay, I, I did not know that. <laughs> so, oh, spoiler alert! Sorry. I did know that it was based on Othello, but I did not know that everyone died in the end. And then you have whatever it takes, starring like I mentioned at the beginning, starring Shane West, which Colin is, Hanks shows up, which is not again not Shakespeare, but it's but Cyrano, it's de, Cyrano Bergerac. de Bergerac. I thought it was Shakespeare because I'm a fucking idiot. I'm an uncultured piece of shit. Like I like I said or like I said before we started recording, I'm half uncultured because I knew <laughs> what the play was. I just didn't know who wrote it. I didn't know who wrote it either. If it makes you feel any better <laughs> he calls the play oh it's a midsummer night's eve so he calls uh, the play no the the play midsummer is night's called dream midsummer sorry it's dream uh he calls the play classic shakespeare with a contemporary musical twist <laughs> i'll say the third act is comprised primarily of the play and it is a rough watch really i thought it was fun no uh it's it is very fun by far my least favorite part of this entire movie well you also hate musicals and so do i but like the the fact that they're essentially making fun of this fucking idiot they are and i like again swing and a miss you know i they were trying something they were trying it just didn't go off for me I think Burke sucks at basketball, but I can't really tell because we see him play for like five minutes and he gets hit in the face with a ball. He's definitely not contributing in a big way to this team in any of the scenes we see. But Cisco, Cisco, his character's crazy name, legs, crazy legs. His his character's name is Dennis. Those weren't really his legs, by the way. 
<laughs> Wait, isn't he a dancer? Isn't that like his thing? Yes. How did they have to sub out his legs? I don't know. He gets he gets his moment. Yeah, because later. later on when he dances, he's good. You know, because he's fucking Cisco. Yeah. Of course, he's good. That's like his thing. He even does like the one hand, which is apparently which, his thing. Like yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. Thing. He doesn't wear the one finger glove though. No, the, his his uh fucking Drew Hill get up. Drew Hill, by the way, you, you know who Drew Hill is. That was his group that he was in. Oh, to go in solo. No, no idea. That's who Will Smith did the Wild Wild West song with. Because you know that song is better than that whole fucking movie. <laughs> The music video for that song is better than the movie. Yeah, that's true. I don't like it, but it is better than the movie. You made a good choice there, Will Smith. Wild Wild (laughs) West over uh, fucking The Matrix. Good call. (laughs) Hey, 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 hey. Okay, in fairness to Will Smith, after (laughs) Men in Black, we all assumed Barry Sonnenfeld would do better than that. Well... (laughs) Fair enough. He did Men in Black and he did Get Shorty, two of the best movies of the 90s. And then he did Wild Wild West. Who could have predicted such a downfall? Let's talk Burke taking balls to the face during the basketball scene. <laughs> After the Okay, the ones. way you phrased that, I was, <laughs> you, you threw me for a little bit of a loop there. I had to. Had to kind of reconfigure my expectations. Remember. Okay. So he gets knocked out and uh, everybody's, he wakes up and everybody's standing over him. And then the coach leans over and goes, hey, nice job catching the ball with your face. Next time you'll be shooting three pointers with your ass. And then, of course, Allison's there and he tries to leave, but she follows him. And she's like, this scene's kind of pointless. Like all she does is like, are you OK? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. Fuck off. And then and she's like, yeah, me and Stryker are going to audition for the school musical. And he's like, you hate theater because they've known each other for fucking ever. And she's like, "Uh, no, I don't. She's lying. I feel like there was more of a conversation there to be had. There would have had to have been, right? Yeah, I feel like just a huge swath of it got cut because it already wasn't an interesting conversation. <laughs> it, it needed to let us know about them auditioning the musical, for the play. Yeah. But yeah, like like this is this is like that scene later when he approaches her at the party. There was clearly a lot more conversation there that just got lopped out. And yes. I'm not saying that it's necessarily a bad thing, but the omission is glaring. Yeah, and that's not included in the deleted scenes either on the DVD. So, really so maybe maybe it's just like a bad writing maybe it got cut out in the scripting process because the scenes feel truncated i don't know to me they did anyway it, they do kind of some of them so we cut to like the pool the next day burke has decided that he's also going to audition for the play because he just wants to be close to allison and he wants to win her back so he's reading shakespeare like i would fucking read shakespeare because i do not <laughs> i don't like it i don't get it i don't care well sh- the thing about shakespeare is it's not meant to be read no, it's it's that iambic pentameter stuff, and you have to kind of like sing talk it. You're it's, supposed to listen to actors interpret it. That's the way Shakespeare is meant to be consumed, is through actors playing the characters. It's a play. It's not poetry. He wrote poetry, and that's a different thing. But his plays were meant to be consumed as plays. Okay. All right, you fucking... Am I wrong? God. Why else would he have written them as plays? He would have written a novel or something like that. He didn't the novel write, existed back then. He didn't then. write them. Oh, Jesus, let's not get into that whole discussion. <laughs> Reese Fonz did. So when when he's reading that f- the fucking thing, and when he says, I'm understanding about every other word of this shit, I'm like, yeah, me too. I understand. Kelly and Basin come up to him, and they're like, hey, why are you reading Shakespeare? He's like, oh, I'm going to try out for the play. Oh, she's like, you're going to try out for the musical? He's like, yeah. She's like, if you need any help, I'm kind of good at that stuff. Like, she is all about him way and way early and dennis is there and he's you her see brother him? is fucking oblivious yes do you see dennis looking at him the whole time he's talking to her every once in a while he's like looking down then a look over like what the fuck <laughs> his character didn't age well but was era accurate like that whole attitude you know which attitude 
Wait, are we talking about her brother or no. are we talking about Cisco? So I'm talking about Cisco. Okay, I can never remember the names. So Cisco is Dennis. Cisco is Dennis. Wait, who what's the brother? Felix. Okay, Felix. Yeah, cuz no, like like I'm talking about Felix. Like Felix is Are you talking character. about the I don't care you, you, you're fucking fucking around with my sister? What the fuck? The, the, the whole yeah. the whole overbearing brother nobody should ever fuck my sister thing. Yeah, that's you know, it's like it's like super toxic, like really shitty, but era appropriate. Like that is fucking accurate. If I had a dollar for every dude I knew in high school who was way, way over concerned with his sister's pussy, hey, we he, wouldn't need a Patreon. I'm not saying don't look out for your sister. Absolutely look out for your sister. Look out for for any anybody who's in your life who you care about. Look out for them. You know, like be there if they if they need you. Watch out for creepy predators, but don't be like nobody should ever date my sister like and also it's your best friend you know him and i assume you trust him i'm not necessarily saying any dude should be trusted in high school well (laughs) at best best case scenario is they're less untrustworthy than others well it's funny there's a deleted scene that i want to talk about later oh okay i i did not watch the deleted scene so i I usually don't but i felt compelled i'm just mostly like i'm irritated by that it's a scene that i'm glad they cut out because it kind of makes the parents not quite like they are in the movie and it's it's kind of out of character but it, it, it's interesting still so he's gonna audition for the play and shit he's like yeah that this would, guy th- can't even read Shakespeare <laughs> Kelly says you know if you need any help I'm kind of good at that stuff I'll help you out and he's like oh sounds good tomorrow coffee and then you can just see Dennis Cisco looking over like um he's he like, sees this coming way before <laughs> anybody else does and then it cuts to them at the coffee shop him and uh, Burke and Kelly he starts reading and he's doing a something something blah 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 she's like he can't just run all the words together like that it doesn't work that way and he's just reciting words at that yeah. point and she's like, all right, the story's kind of can no, what it's kind of confusing or it's kind of hard to understand, but once you get into it, the story's actually kind of good. I'm like, that doesn't make for good art. Stop it. This also <laughs> is a really bad scene for trying to make Shakespeare legible. It makes no sense. This conversation leading him to being prepared to audition for Shakespeare, no sense at all. They could have put a conversation in here about the language and used it to draw the two of them a little closer, you know, in a way that gets him to understand more what's being discussed. But all they do is like a this little information dump about how the story overlaps with this story and it's the first fantasy the first actual does fantasy he actually go into where it his cuts, head yeah cuts into the oh, forest okay. and yeah i i guess i forgot about that i don't care for the fantasy sequences they're a little weird and i don't like them in general like some they're they get kind of funny but some of some of them are kind of funny but she she's explaining the plot to him and she's like well the this girl loves this guy and this guy loves this thing and then this thing's happening and then Burke's just like, oh fuck, that, that's that's what's happening to me. And then he's like, you make it very easy to understand and he's he, then he gets up to leave and she's like, we just started and he's like, I'm not trying to win an Oscar, I'm just trying to get my girlfriend back and then he kisses her on the head and leaves. Because they've all they've also known each other for fucking ever. And then it's audition day. And I really like the scene. It's really funny and really fucking stupid. It's definitely that. So Forrest Oates is up on the stage and he's like, we've got a new star auditioning for the play what he's saying is he's saying how he's very excited because there may be a new star auditioning for this play who's on the level of peter wong Peter Wong, his his favorite. I'll say you get the you get the get the idea. Something something weird's happening between those two. <laughs> I'm not saying it's anything that's completely inappropriate, but it's definitely there's a definite codependent relationship going on there with with Peter and Mister <laughs> Forest, Forest Oaks. Hi, Petey. Cool shirt. They're gonna do the singing auditions first, so everybody's got to sing a song, and it's it's all it's all happy and weird. And Kirsten Dunst gets up there, sings her cute little song with her dead eyes. <laughs> 
they brighten up when she starts talking, but when she's singing, she's really like, yeah, she's, she's very focused on the song. Decent singer though. This was kind of her, I, I seem to remember reading something, uh, cause I was going through the trivia for this page that, that this was like her, her first time yeah, singing. Like she wanted to do the movie because yeah, she could she exactly. got to sing. Yeah. So like this was her debut, you know, so like she's very focused on. Yeah. And honestly, she is super cute in the movie. Like, yeah. oh yeah, I forgot to bring up the fact that that pool scene where she, the, they wanted that scene in there because it got her in a bikini. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> She and looks very good in a bikini. Good. Yeah, she looked good in the bikini. It's all right. And again, Mila Kunis looks like a fucking 13-year-old in this movie. It's weird. And I'm guaranteeing it was a Weinstein note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're not wrong about that. So she sings the she sings the song, and at first Forrest Oates is like, hey, that's a, that, that's a good song. Who wrote it? She's like, I did. And he's like, oh, well, good for fucking you. <laughs> no, he <laughs> says it in the... Oh, he's such a prick. He does. The way yeah. he says it, he's like, oh, were you expecting applause? This is... This is a theater audition. This isn't. This uh, is an audition, not TRL. Yeah, this is an audition, not TRL. <laughs> He's such a prick. Oh uh, my god! And then we get Stryker up on the stage. And he accompanies himself because he's a pretentious douche too. This is a very, very perfect scene because earlier they shown what what was the kid's name? Dennis or yeah. Davy? Dennis. Cisco? No, no, no. The the star. Petey. Petey. Peter. That was it. Petey. Mm. They show Petey auditioning and he's like oh. <laughs> he's like alternating between a, a soprano and a bass, you know, like he's he's jumping and he's like singing like an opera singer up there. And then they get this guy up there and he sings just like a fucking boy band. Auto-tuned, heavily, you know, like <laughs> like every everything in his voice has been tuned into this perfect yes. mediocrity. But remember, it's okay. When he walks on stage, Forrest Oates goes, Who's next? Bentley Scrumfeld, one of the original Swingtown lads, if I'm not mistaken. I see you know your boy group, sir. I follow the popular arts. To me, they're so dope. Yeah. If you don't mind, I'd like to accompany myself. Ah, put that down. This one's kind of a personal favorite of mine. <laughs> and Jessica, Jessica's sitting there writing stuff down and she like stops, stops dead. And just before the camera cuts, she like looks at him. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun stuff with the side characters looking at everybody for, for, for saying stupid shit all the time. So he sings Allison, of course. And then Burke, Burke has the best Specifically reaction. Specifically because Ben Foster yeah. sang it earlier. He has the best reaction. He's sitting there like, he's kind of like, he's got this weird little lip curl going and he's like shaking. <laughs> ben Foster has that while he's listening to him oh, sing. Oh, right. I, I was like, thinking, I was thinking about Martin Short. He's Mark, like, convulsing. Martin Short is like, Martin Short is like fucking. Oh, and then Martin Short, yeah, he's dancing and shit. So then his, his audition is done and then they're, they're about done. And then Berg's like, Hey, uh, I, I need to audition. And then he's like, all right, cool. Good for me. What do you say? Yay for me or something. <laughs> I can't remember. It suffice to say he's just, the nice thing about his character is he's just incredibly shitty to everyone. Except, except Stryker and Petey. Except his stars. Exactly. So Berg gets up there and he's like, I want to read this thing from Oberon in the third act. I've seen this movie way too many times. I know lines and stuff. Uh, and he's like, you know, I, I, and I can't wait to hear it. Yes, he can. But this is a singing audition first. And he's like, and Burke's like, uh, and he's like, okay, Jessica, you want to help me out? Sing first, read later. She says, and he's like, sing first, read later. And he, like, you, you can just see him again. Ben Foster is, is so committed. He's just dying as this, <laughs> as this sequence progresses. And then he's like, any song? And you see this girl in, in the, 
sitting in sitting in the auditorium with a big red shirt on and that is apparently the director's sister for our listeners big red was a gum it still is is it i I can i haven't seen it in forever okay am i i'm not crazy then no i haven't seen big red on a store shelf maybe in this decade well okay i mean obviously in this decade but in the decade prior either yeah big red fucking disappeared it was a cinnamon gum and it was it was delightful it was pretty good yeah you know it wasn't bad but it got beat out by the spearmints and the juicy fruit and it had a fucking trident and it had a catchy theme song which yeah. Burke sings and he starts to mumble. How a much did bit. Big Red pay them to put th- oh, this? A this lot. might have been Big Red's last stand, actually. <laughs> now that I think about it, Big Red may have disappeared after this movie because they spent their entire annual marketing budget on trying to get their product heavily featured in the next <laughs> big teenage rom-com and then it tanked so it had a good theme song burke's mumbling his way through it and every time somebody doesn't talk quite loud enough i always want to say what martin short says projection <laughs> burke kind of trails off and i don't know if he forgets or what or if he just gets too nervous but then kelly's like you know she she helps him along she sings the next line yeah. and it and, and then then he starts singing back and and then eventually like the whole crowd's fucking into it and then he really commits. Like yeah. one, once he realizes he's gotten the crowd on his side, like he just he just goes for it. <laughs> it's pretty adorable. Even uh, Stryker, Allison's like, uh, what the fuck? But Stryker's like, ah, I see. Like he's I've I've met my match. <laughs> Not really. I don't I don't think he ever feels he's met his match. I think he's 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 kind of like. I think he starts to feel threatened. Maybe a little, but he's smiling. He's like, uh, it feels like like oh respect for you know you're 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 making yourself look like an idiot to get this hot chick back. All right. I, I feel it. I he feel does it. have a good line later where he says, I would say, what are you doing? I can't even do. I, would, I, can't I would ask even you what do, the hell you're I would doing here. I would ask you what the hell you're doing here. But if I had lost a girl like Allison, I'd be in your exact same position. Only I'd have a bigger part. <laughs> and that English accent was way more convincing than his. It was. It was. Because Shane West is not British. He's from like, fuck, he's from Louisiana. He's so fucking American. Like it. <laughs> I, I like that earlier on when they introduced Stryker, Colin Hanks, I think. Think it is says do you hear this candy ass he sounds he like sounds madonna. like madonna <laughs> and maybe maybe most of the people out there don't remember madonna had this faux english accent phase she got all serious and pretentious in the early 2000s late 90s and it was painful to watch she made some really good music she had a really good album come out at that time but yeah it was like watching her at award shows and shit was like jesus crawl <laughs> out of your own ass for a minute will you that's pretty funny uh, th- it's because she just had a kid that's what it oh is god she just had a kid so she started going through this growing up phase you know where she had been you know she had been like this this sex icon for so long and now suddenly she wants to be taken seriously just keep it that way <laughs> which i don't have i don't have a problem with her wanting to be taken seriously but like she went hard into the yeah like the adopting the fake english accent was like i say this line sometimes and nobody knows what the fuck i'm talking about felix goes i'm just watching chester screw the rubber tree because his aunt's dog is staying with him for a few days and she he has a hormonal imbalance this had to be a weinstein note like let's put a dog 100 percent. he's gonna talk to kelly and you know he, he just he just thanks her and it's it's kind of an awkward conversation and it's not really that important basically what it sets up is it sets up colin hanks suddenly being suspicious of his best friend for yeah. trying to get into yeah. his sister oh place. yeah he's very he's very concerned he's like you're calling my sister like what the fuck <laughs> and then he walks in to her and to give to tell her to pick up the phone he's like hey since when do my friends call you since today uh jessica the next day posts the parts and everybody's really shitty about it to her but she's kind of a bitch too squeezing through all the kids the theatrical debut line from martin short from martin short this is your theatrical debut this is your theatrical debut i want you to take it seriously i want you to give it half the dedication 
just half that I gave my own. To be or not to be, that is the question. Oh, those are the salad days. Although these are good. And then it shows him doing one man Macbeth. One man Hamlet. Oh, one man Hamlet. And what the My fuck? Apologies. And then yeah, because Burke says he doesn't want to. He, he he's gonna. It's gonna be hard for him to make it to like rehearsals and stuff because because he has basketball playoffs and shit. And he does that thing where he flips him off behind his back, and it's really and it's over dramatic. It and is funny. the f bomb of the movie. Like the it, it's the one fuck that. The, and he doesn't even say it. He just mouths fuck you, and he flips him off from behind. But then then he turns around and he immediately you know, hand in the pocket. Yep, we've all done that. Every fucking one of us. I don't care. I don't care. Who you are we've all we've all done something that was that that was actually a pretty good gag i do like martin short's little fantasy asides where he goes into his (laughs) memory bubble and it just pans to the side and it actually gives him a a comic strip thought bubble yeah (laughs) in which he relives his little memories he's so into him like he's just he's just reliving them there as we watch (laughs) it's pretty great that's 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 one of the things that I do feel hit for this movie. Burke is late for the first rehearsal because of basketball, and then, you know, Forrest Oates gives him shit, of course. But he's trying to explain to everybody what the play is, and he's like, well, this this is basically what it is. What's what's causing all these problems? And he's like, fairies, fairies, spirits, spirits. I really like that line. It made me laugh. And this is where little Steve. Little Steve from Jason X. <laughs> He played Azrael in Jason X. Yes. He has a very distinct face. Oh uh, yeah, he's in he's in a few movies and not I always He's in a ton of shit. Yeah. I looked at his INTB. He was in seven movies in two thousand one. You can always tell it's him because he's so distinct looking. So there's another fantasy where Burke is Burke is losing his mind. Forrest Oates yep. is telling the story about the fairies and how the the story is basically the fairies just fucking with all these people. The idea that's being conveyed is that no one is in charge of their love life yes that's it's, it's all dictated by you know by the, the fairies fucking around with everybody yeah exactly and he looks at hermia he goes fair hermia thou so thou art, thou art so incredibly hot and stuff <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the fairies stirring up shit and eventually uh shane west shows up beats the shit out of burke and then burke gets pissed on by a horse burke i wrote down burke even gets pissed on in his own fantasies <laughs> And it is a it is a believable amount of horse piss. <laughs> it's a lot. I have watched horses piss. That is exactly what it's like. And now we're going to come up on your on your scene that you hate. Dennis and Felix are in the locker room talking about how to help how to help Burke get over losing Allison. And they're like, Felix is like, "Hey, man, Dordle in Tisdale." And then Dennis is like, "Yeah, last week she like." took out half the class with a nail gun and thanks <laughs> thanks to good old Dora Lynn uh Dickie Bergwell has to take a crap standing up <laughs> I missed the dialogue in that sequence I don't remember any of it oh, but really? I do I do remember her character and oh the one thing I do remember one of them saying is she missed 6 years of high school because she was in a coma Yeah so she's old How fucking old is she I looked it up the actress is 25 years old when she's making this movie which makes her 5 years older than Ben Foster Hey that's that that's okay that works then Yeah but like <laughs> why is he dating <laughs> Why is she dating any of her classmates if she's that much older than all of them? Uh, she's trying to change her luck. She's a bit accident prone. You know, wherever she goes. Oh, because Felix is like, dude, he, him and him and Burke are playing playing basketball. And he's like, you know, she's she's beautiful. She's built and she's apparently completely willing to lower her standards. So I don't see anything wrong with this, even though Ben's like wherever she goes, like bad shit happens. But like weird bad shit happens. <laughs> And that that's where the coat she was in a coma for six years shit because she um, got hit by a dune buggy at the beach 
in probably the most ridiculous scene of the movie. Let's just cut to the date night. It's all right. Let's cut to it so we can cut past it. They're at this Chinese restaurant and she's she seems nice enough. Oh, no, she seems very sweet. <laughs> and she's like, you know what? It's all about new beginnings. I'm moving on with you, my life and you're moving on with yours as she like points a knife at him. <laughs> yeah, she's like starts flipping this knife around. It's like <laughs> and he's just watching it. If like, she <laughs> has the history that she has, wouldn't you just say something at that point? Like, hey, maybe don't flip that giant butcher knife. No, around. you know why? And who the fuck gives someone at a restaurant a knife like that that's like michael myers knife it's because burke is a nice guy and he doesn't want to like make her feel bad he is he's 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 trying real you can see him like trying hard not to be like straining himself so he gets up to take a piss or whatever and she's like she lifts up the tea kettle she's like hey waitress can i have some more tea and then there's a song playing i can't remember what the song was but it was like a chinese like an asian cover of a of a popular song i think it was allison is that what she says she says i love this song because i I heard her say i love something and i couldn't make out what and she she whacks (laughs) this dude in the back this is a an iron teapot yes. by the way this is this is a weinstein note this is the scene that he said we need to do this because scary movie something something this this movie is or this sequence is painfully unfunny to yeah. watch cgi meat fly it's a hibachi place too cgi meat flies all over the place and then some girl gets her shirt ripped off and then this little kid goes tits wow and then eventually it leads to the whole fucking place being set on fire yeah it, it's like a rube goldberg machine <laughs> of destruction of- highly improbable destruction and it's it's played for humor and it is like i said painfully unfunny to watch and it culminates <laughs> with ben foster walking back into the scene with flames everywhere and going check please that <laughs> joke was old in 1981 see you're talking you're talking all this shit and you didn't like it but every every aspect of this movie i'm just like i kind of like this i don't know why i hate that fucking sequence you know why I, you know why i like it because i saw it when i was fucking yep. 13 and i've been watching it since yep. then i understand I understand I'm not judging you for liking it. It just, I fucking hated it. I hated it even more the second time because I knew what was coming. (laughs) So I liked this scene as a kid watching Kirsten Dunst dance because her boobs are like bouncing up and down the entire time. She's singing a song called Pocket Full of Dreams and she wants to pluck a fairy from the sky and then Forrest Oates doesn't like how she plucked because she didn't really pluck. I always noticed that she did like... pluck! You pluck! I want to see you pluck it! (laughs) I like how he sings his part too. He's like, I'm dreaming of a guy. <laughs> like, come on. Martin That's Short awesome. just, just owns every single scene he's in. The only competition in this movie is Ben Foster, really. <laughs> because, again, they're playing at just completely different ends of the spectrum. He's like, you know what? We'll talk about it later. Enter Theseus. So they're doing like, you're doing a weird rehearsal. And then it comes in, uh, Burke got cast as attendant number two. You know, it's a good meaty role when it has a number. Yes. In it. Hey, he didn't give, he doesn't give a shit. He just wants to be there. No, and he's perfectly cast as attendant number two because any more responsibility than that, I don't believe from his character. Well, that'll happen later. And I don't believe a second of it. <laughs> Me either, but I'm okay with it. Watching Ben Foster dance and sing like he's in fucking Backstreet Boys. <laughs> just perfect. Just, mostly, it's comedy gold for all the wrong Mostly reasons. given what we know about him now, I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> this is so weird. He's such an intense actor. 
to see him doing this. Martin Short says, you 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 see you see these people all laying down and this guy's spooning with this dude's daughter or whatever and you need to look shocked. I want to see you look shocked so everybody does their uh and then of course he picks out Burke because he looks just like everybody else and he's like, I said shocked, Mr. Landers, not constipated. And then everybody starts laughing he's like, oh my. Which is another thing that that fucking guy at work does. Yep. If he says a joke that everybody thinks is funny, he like, he'll repeat it over and over again and oh, just yeah. be very excited. Yeah. Uh- that, that story checks out. That's part of what I love about Martin Short in this movie is is that he is playing that guy who he's he's actually a really he, he's a really remarkably well done character. Some of the elements of this movie are 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 shockingly good because he is playing that guy who who wants to get that approval from the outside and has never gotten it. Yeah, so he has to get it from a bunch of high schoolers. So he gets it by demeaning high schoolers mm-hmm. who are the easiest targets in the world because they wear all of their inadequacies on their sleeve. You know, so it is so fucking easy to take pot shots at high schoolers. So yeah. that's what he does because he has no ability to make it on his own. So that's how he gets his ego boost. And then he gets such an ego boost from the laughter of these high schoolers that it is really sad to watch. Just, and that's part of what makes it hilarious. If you're a teenager and you're listening to this, which I highly doubt, just, <laughs> just know that we fucking get it. We're not, we're not the adults who've forgotten what it was like to be oh, a teenager and being a teenager no. is the fucking worst. I, I hate, so. I may hate you, but it's not because I don't understand. Yeah, no, we hate you because we were you. Yeah. And we, all of my sucked. <laughs> All of my projected hatred is self-hatred. You're annoying, but it's not really your fault. I don't blame you for it. I just can't stand where you're at because it reminds me <laughs> of myself. So Dennis and uh, Basin have a little moment where he sits down next to her. Basin, what a fucking name. There's Why? Like, there's like this ongoing plot between them where they, where Dennis is always staring at her and she's just, and she likes him, obviously, because when they walk away at the pool, do you see Dennis staring at me again? He, he, he. And she touches Kirsten Dunn's butt. I don't know if you did. I don't know if you ever noticed that. No. In that pool scene and she smacks her butt before they turn around. It was kind of, I've always no, noticed I that. that. So I was 13 and I'm like, ooh, that's fun. Uh, <laughs> but then. That's that's why, because you watched this at 13. You That was like your first glimpse of something like that. You were like, mm-hmm. Yep, thumbs up. Like that. Uh, Dennis signed up for stage crew and then we get a little shot of these two fucking stage crew idiots. They look like they belong in that band Billy Talent with the big hair. and the, Do you remember Billy Talent? No. Try Honesty. All right, well, fine. Never mind. But one of them's humping something. Their hair looks like Jim Jarmusch in the mid 90s okay there you go but they're they're one of them's humping something moaning making weird noises no one of them has like a mic stand or something (laughs) and is has made a a phallus out of it and is (laughs) and is humping it at the other's face oh earlier on when we actually meet them for the first time he when martin short says oh you can always join stage crew that same guy stands up gives the devil horns and farts (laughs) can you guess what the fart was no fucking idea a note from harvey weinstein yeah, I should have I should have been able to call that one. Then we get a cover of What Do You Get When You Fall In Love. Or all, no, not What Do You Get When You Fall In Love. I just wrote that yeah, down because I, I couldn't I remember. Say that. I'll Never Fall In Love Again. It's Burt Baccarat, but it's a band called Splitsville doing the cover. And I really like this cover. It's kind of punky and cool. I just love the sequence where Kirsten Dunst is suggesting changing the lyrics to her song. And he's like, William Shakespeare was a fine writer, but Burt Baccarat, he ain't. He ain't. No, he Willie Bill Shakespeare was a wonderful poet. Oh, that's right. Bill Shakespeare was a wonderful poet. Burt Bacharach, he ain't. Bullshit. That that song's When was great. the last time you walked around humming you, Macbeth? Yeah, when <laughs> was the last tune you hummed from Macbeth? This song's playing over a montage of them rehearsing and and uh basketball. Burke shows his ass cuz he's getting all 
getting too much of a in too much of a rush. Oh yeah, they they kind of, they they kind of do a, a a fast montage of him losing control of his ability to balance his life, like you do in high school. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> the montage stops like kind of in the middle where Stryker and Burke have a little have a little thing. The best part about this is that Stryker tries so fucking hard to get under Burke's skin, and Burke is unflappable every time. What 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 does he say? I can't remember what, what the first. Oh, it's the it's the one where he's like, if some guy had dazzled my way into my ex-girlfriend's fancies i'd probably be doing the same thing and then <laughs> burke just looks at him and goes you dropped your sword and something else happens again later and i'm like that's different i think that, that that's a unique take on that because usually burke would be like floundering trying to figure out a way to one up this guy but he's just kind of there playing it out until he can you know make his move well he does yeah he doesn't have any clever rejoinders but he also doesn't need any because he's because striker's pissed that he's not getting more annoyed by all the stuff that he's doing to him yeah and it's character appropriate because I, I wouldn't believe him if he suddenly started coming back with all these snappy comebacks no. and stuff. I, I wouldn't buy it. It's not the character. After the jockstrap thing, though, after he shows his ass, we get an actual cute moment between Burke and Kelly. She's playing playing a song that she's writing on the piano, and he he walks up to her, and he's like, hey, you know, play me, play me that. That's cool. And she's like, you've been busy? He's like, yeah, dating a fucking, what do you, what do you say? Dating, dating a, pyro- a pyromaniac. pyromaniac and showing my ass in public. <laughs> and this is where they... You, they both move on to other projects. Apparently Ben lost, a, Ben gained a little weight for a role that he was doing. And then she dyed her hair fucking red for Spider-Man. <laughs> so she's about, she's like several, just like less than a year away from being in one of the biggest movies ever. And doing reshoots for get over it. <laughs> Which is funny. How did she know? She won an Oscar. Her career took a fucking nosedive. She was in Small Soldiers and Bring It On. Small Soldiers, yeah, that one. I like it. That one seemed like it should have been good, didn't it? It it is. It's just it's kind of, it's not, stupid. It's not good. It's like Gremlins, only not as good. Yeah, exactly. It's it seemed like it should have been good. The ingredients were there. It just wasn't. I like it. Mm, that's because you watched it when you were a kid. Yes. You were the right age for it. Oh, yeah. No, perfect age. I was not. I saw it in the theater because my grandpa took me. I'm pretty sure I saw that in the theater, too, and regretted it. They sing the alphabet together, and it's really adorable. (laughs) It really is. I like this scene a lot. It's actually pretty cute. It's cute, but honestly, like, the problem with this scene is that, well, like, the way he walks in and, like, sit and, like, hip to hip sits next to her, you know? Like, it's a piano bench. I understand that. But it feels like he's going after her, you know? It feels like he's trying to start something there. But we're supposed to believe that he's not. He's not. I think they're just comfortable with each other because they've known each other for probably a long time. Maybe. Because he's, you know. I guess we didn't get to see them growing up together, you know? I don't know if this was on purpose, but when he starts playing the alphabet and he's waiting for her to, like, start playing something, he says, bring it on. I don't know if that was on purpose or what. Had she but, been in Bring It On yeah, yet? Yeah, that came out in 99 oh, okay. or 2000, I think. So after that, they cut to the sex club because Felix calls and he, Burke has a cell phone because he's rich. This scene is fucking <laughs> in the wrong movie. Felix goes, how do you feel about half-naked women? And then it cuts to the sexy to the sex club and Burke gets hung up in a sex swing. Carmen Electra shows up. Well, he gets brought up on stage. And <laughs> oh, again, no. I want to stress, he looks like he is 15 tops. He's a young looking yeah, man. Clearly they are not supposed to be in there because the second the cops break it down, see, I want to see IDs. The two friends just take off and leave him hanging there. And they, they get him up on stage and they truss him up in this sex harness and Carmen Electra comes out and is very clearly, she has with her a 
car battery jump start kit. She <laughs> yeah, is going yeah. to do some freaky shit to him on this stage. Yeah, it, there's there's more to it in the in the deleted scene, but I think I I'm I'm like you're going for a PG-13 rating. Yeah, that that one might have been. How did this been. sequence get put in this movie to begin with? If it were an R-rated comedy, yes, I then I would buy it, but this is a PG-13 movie. So apparently he does he gets arrested though cuz the next scene he's in the car with his parents and they're like we're surprised at you, Burke, but we've we've discussed it and we've decided that we are just so proud of you. He's like, what? <laughs> I, like, I just got arrested. Shouldn't you be pissed or something? They're like, no, sexual curiosity is perfectly natural. And it's good that you're do- trying to get over your girlfriend. Most most kids your age are not equipped to handle heartache. And then dad's like, hey, man, you want to go? You anybody want to go get some yogurt? Mom's like, yeah, that's cool. But wait a minute. Burke may want to go home and polish the rocket, which sounds way fucking more suggestive and weird. Uh <laughs> The MPAA again, the original line was Burke may want to go home and masturbate, which isn't as funny. No, it's not. Polish like the Rock, that? it's way funnier. <laughs> yeah. And it's way cruder, too. Yeah. Like, I don't understand, man. The MPAA is weird. Then <laughs> Burke just like perks up. He's like, yogurt's good. Honestly, I think masturbate would have made it more awkward because at that age, I don't know if you went through this, but I went through this where the word masturbate was just so viscerally unpleasant to me and discomforting like jerking off (laughs) spanking it yanking my crank polishing the rocket all that (laughs) stuff was way more comfortable to say than masturbate so (laughs) it might have actually been funnier to say masturbate at the time not now yeah maybe i don't i don't know now that i'm completely comfortable with either version of it 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 doesn't seem as funny i still say polish the knob though slob the knob that just makes me think of grand grandma from Thanks, killing three. Flog my log. I'm gonna give God a, God a slob knob. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that movie was fucked up. Um, God's ready for his slob knob, Grandma. Now, uh, then we cut to another scene of Stryker trying to get one over on Burke, but Burke not giving a shit. Well, I don't even remember how this fucking happens. Yeah, what what scene are we coming so up it's on? The, because it's, it's not the, coming. To it's me. the nunchucks. Oh, where where Burke, <laughs> Burke does something to piss Stryker off, and he pull he pulls out the nunchucks and then starts swinging them around, and Burke just has this look on his face like. Like, is this the sequence yet where no Burke hasn't nominated uh he hasn't gotten he will yeah. in a minute here so he pulls out the nunchucks and Burke just has this Ooh, oh moment. it's because he he makes a comment about the accent oh yeah oh yeah it's like, like you better be careful with that, that accent, accent. You're, you're starting, starting to, sound to sound like, like Mary, Mary Poppins. Poppins and then so he pulls out the nunchucks and then Burke's just like who keeps nunchucks in their pants <laughs> and then he does the I believe you are trifling with danger he says which is a funny line and ridiculous off to the side there dennis and jessica are kind of standing next to each other dennis has to go do something but he's holding one of the fairies up on a rope yeah in the up up on a harness well above the stage you know and then he hands the rope to jessica so she can hold it but then the nunchucks slip out of fucking striker's hands they hit her in her vag (laughs) (laughs) and she drops the fairy on top of peter wong he breaks his leg legs Plagues. Yes. So he he's out. Martin Shorts has Is it se- just me or does Peter Wong also have the fake British accent? He has the actor talk thing going on, yeah. He's sort of doing like this. Like it's not quite a it's, British accent. It's just him being incredibly pretentious. It's my theater, my show. It's the it's actor speak. You know, it's that <laughs> he, he's like Forrest Oaks was my, my special, special friend. My special buddy. <laughs> oh, my special buddy, sorry. Which makes me believe there was something weirder going on between those two. Yeah, it, there was definitely weirdness there. Uh, and this is where the Kevin Spacey line comes on. He's like, the great Kevin Spacey once said the show must go on. I'm like, I'm sure he's maybe said that, but... <laughs> 
okay. But then he's like, it's just he he's constantly that that's something that maybe the listener isn't aware of that Martin Short's character is constantly <laughs> quoting actors. I remember what what the great Bobby De Niro once said to me. Well, not to me. I read it in read an it article. In <laughs> just because God blesses you doesn't mean there isn't isn't another sneeze coming. <laughs> this is where he the says. The great Mickey Rourke once said in an, in an oh, interview on. Something, but something. he he doesn't actually get that one yeah, out because that's when Burke runs in and fucks that up. So then this is where he says, "Does does anybody want to volunteer to to take Peter's spot?" And little Steve is like, "Ooh, ooh!" And he's like, "Put your hand down, little Steve." <laughs> <laughs> Poor little Steve. He just constantly shutting little Steve down. Uh, then Stryker's like, "I want to nominate somebody," and of course Forrest Oates is immediately like, "Well, I'm sure you know me, a man of um, 34, couldn't possibly." <laughs> He's 45 if he's a day. Yeah, he couldn't possibly keep up with you. He's like, yeah, no, not you, fuckhead. Uh, I was was thinking Burke Landers, right? And then he's like, oh, well, that's an idea. (laughs) I like what Burke says later. He's like, Forrest Oaks just cast me as the lead in a play. He's He's an an idiot. idiot. (laughs) Yeah, that'll actually happen in like two minutes here. And then Burke is all about it, though, man. He's not fucking around this guy. Admirable. Yeah. Stupid. Oh, very stupid. But he's like... He's game. I'm in. He's like, all right, I'll do it. Then Kelly and Kelly and Burke end up getting props ready. They're fucking around. They're playing. And that's where he says, you know, you know more about this stuff than he does. Why don't you just rewrite the song and tell him that you want to sing a different song and all that shit? Because the song isn't working, quote unquote, her pocket full of ass, pocket full of dreams. (laughs) (laughs) So then down here, we call it pocket full of ass. (laughs) He says, Forrest Oates just cast me as the lead. He's an idiot, Allison. So he calls Kelly Allison. Oops. And she has a crossbow. Oh, well, she she's she's picking up props off of a shelf with her back to him. And at that moment, she. She turns around and she has a crossbow. She's like, what did you just call me? And then she actually pulls the fucking trigger, but she thought it was a prop. And it goes into his arm. And this, it's kind of funny. She's lucky it just went into his arm. <laughs> um, she's lucky she's not facing homicide charges. <laughs> yeah. In the ambulance, it's kind of funny. Fucking Ben Foster's selling the shit out of this. And he's just like, I want to see it. It's fucking, it's bad, isn't it? <laughs> and then she's like, no, no, it's not that. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> then she just passes out. <laughs> Is it just me or does the EMT like look down her skirt when she passes out and then I don't or does he look at her? I think he just looks at her, but I could definitely see it going either way there. He doesn't come off as like creeping. I will say that. I'm not saying he isn't, but he doesn't come off as obviously creeping. He could just be looking at her having fallen down. Then we have another montage with rehearsals, and this time it's Burke in the lead role doing all the dancing and boy band stuff, and it's funny to watch them all do their dumb He does some moves that I don't buy with him just having gotten shot in the arm, because that shit hit bone, man. Now the guys, the three the three friends are walking down the street, and then they're like, that. that's where the joke comes in where he's like, you know, those theater guys have a reputation of, you know, being Cisco go gay, and then he's like, see, that's what they want you to think. No, he's saying how he had her out till midnight last night. Oh, week. yeah. It's like, it's fine. We're just working. He's like, hey, the come point. on. It's whatever her name is. I can't find Kelly. Her. It's Kelly. And then he goes into the music store, and then they're both like, why is he going into the music store? And then <laughs> Felix is such a dick. He's like, I think he's buying tap shoes or some shit like that, which only further <laughs> demonstrates my point, my friend. That, that man, man is, is in dire need of a party. Need of a party. Yep. He's, he obviously has got to be that friend. Oh, then Kelly talks to Forrest Oates about her song. <laughs> More, more condescending bullshit. She's like, you know my song, Pocket Full of Dreams? He's like, oh yeah, I, I originally wrote that song for Miss Diana Ross. Another the, flashback. The lawyers got involved and then bullshit, 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 <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> He's like, now this is where, what, what does he say? Will Bill Shakespeare's a wonderful poet, but Burt Baccarat, he ain't. So he doesn't like her song. And it's not that he doesn't like it. It's just that he didn't write it. So he's a fucking exactly. asshole. <laughs> 
he's unwilling to accept it because he didn't write it. After that scene, it's it's kind of funny. That's basically the gist of the whole thing. He Kelly goes home and Burke is there. A lot, a lot more funny lines from it's, it's way It's way more. <laughs> but Chester is humping Burke's leg. Chester is the dog, by the way. And he's, yeah, he's, he's like, oh, I was just getting lucky. And yeah. then it cuts down to the dog. We need to we need to find this dog a date, which they will later. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense. It's fucking who cares. It's so stupid. That whole dog subplot could have been lost. Yeah, the dog wasn't happy about humping things. It was a girl dog, apparently. <laughs> what, what did they do to that dog to get it to hump everything then? They just had somebody off camera, like, bumping it into the fucking oh, that poor dog. ball. Yeah. They're doing some rehearsing, and, you know, Burke says it's 21 hours until showtime, and I'm actually starting to suck more. And she's like, it's fine. Don't worry about the singing. We'll work on some dialogue. He is starting to suck more. Yeah. He phones his way through this fucking dialogue, by the way. But she's she's sitting on the edge of her bed, and she pats the bed, and, and she's she's really she's into it and he's just like hi i think he's starting to like her but he's not even sure yet again like he immediately goes hip to hip with her they're just sitting on the bed they know each other i'm sorry (laughs) if my bet my best friend at that when i was in high school had a sister and if i were to sit if she were sitting in the middle of the bed i would sit on the corner of the bed that's just uncomfortably close like i wouldn't sit that close unless i was into her he's starting to like her so they're running these lines and she's like well you know this is hermia so just pretend i'm allison okay as hard as that might be and he says okay no joking he's just like yeah cool i'm like you're dumb burke stop it they're running lines and he's like you know again the banter could have been better like uh, this some of these scenes are overwritten some of these scenes are underwritten here's the typical scene that you need in every one of these movies where she's like he's like well and then there's the kiss which is going to be with allison but in this case see he's he's he likes her now he, he's he's feeling it uh and then they they lean in and she's then, a pretty girl she's she's a pretty girl he's in high school <laughs> and again they know each other there's a lot to be said for that too they, yeah but then they, i had a thing for my best friend's sister in high school. So the, the phone rings and she like she rolls her eyes. She falls backwards. She mouths shit. And I'm like, oh, I've been in that situation. Every, <laughs> we've all had that. And then Felix calls from Burke's house. And he's like, hey, man, b- b- people have been asking about Burke. You better give, tell him to stop by. No, he, Big party. He, he Big says, party. I think he says something like, let me guess. Burke's oh, yeah. there. <laughs> yep. So they go to the party. The first person they run into is Dennis. And he's like, where is he? And he's like, you're, you look like you're going to stroke out, man. You need to chill the fuck out. <laughs> he's like, you realize I'm going to kill him, right? Because parents are out of town they're going to some thing some dudes puke in the punch bowl oh and, and that then they, is then they drink it and it's really yeah, fucking gross the drinking the puke scene is oh you know me and like yeah. eating gross well stuff, that just, one's rough and he's like the guy really sells it too when he when he turns around <laughs> from and this is this is the guy who was mila kunis's dance, dance partner, partner. Yeah. when he turns around from having taken his drink he's kind of chewing the chunks he's like anybody <laughs> else think this think this punch tastes kind of funky and he's like kind of chewing the he's like there's chunks in it and then the dude yeah that dude next to him goes oh there's chunks <laughs> it's so fucking gross and then striker hits on kelly because you know it's obviously gotta happen because he's a fucking creep. Burke tries to tell Allison because they uh he he actually he confronts Felix and then they're all kind of in the same hallway. So he's like uh you you better get the fuck out of here. He's like you think I would fuck around on Allison? You know how stupid that would be. And he's like backpedaling real hard because he's not as cool as he thinks he is. Yeah, he was like he was hitting hard on her, and then and then Felix and Burke walk in. He's like, whoop, hey, nothing nothing going on he's here. Like, nope, no, not me. And then he actually gets kind of awkward about it. And then. Uh, and then Bert goes to Allison and he says, I need to talk to you about Stryker. And then it cuts to her going, there is, you will just do anything to try and get between us. That's the, that's the point where, because it doesn't make any sense for her to jump to that conclusion. She's a high school. Right girl. off of him just saying, 
I need to talk to you about Stryker. There was a whole conversation there <laughs> maybe, that got cut. Maybe. She goes to leave. I think she she might go to get... I don't, is she going to like get Stryker so she can leave? I Be- think so, Because yeah. what happens is she finds Stryker, but she finds him latched to her best friend's face. <laughs> yep. If you're going to cheat on Jessica Sage Miller, it might as well be with Zoe Zaldana, I guess. Yeah, that's a that's a logical... Ne- that's, that, that's a logical trade-up. She's just like, all right, you guys can all go to hell. And I'm like, you just lost all your friends. Because <laughs> you're kind of stupid. But she's not the villain, so I, I actually kind of feel bad for her. No, but. I feel very bad for her. She's not She's not a bad person. She's not trying to hurt anybody. She just, yeah, shit ended with Ben Foster. And now she wants to go back. Well, not now, but you know, not like yet. in a few and scenes. I hate that In so a few much. scenes when she has that return, you can tell that it's her reacting to a bad situation by wanting to go back to something safe. And it same was, thing happened in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. It exactly was the same never thing. going to work. That was no. never going to work. Don't do that, kids. Yeah. And if you're the guy in that situation, know enough to say, let's not do this. Give it a couple years at least. Fuck. Because that's not that's not going to work. That's that's a Band-Aid fix for a, for a arterial gout. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Burke is sitting on, the, sitting on a bench outside. Oh, also, in this scene, this scene was cut up a lot, MPAA, but it was mostly like they CGI'd out a bunch of beer bottles. Yep, that sounds that sounds absolutely right for late so 90s. So I never MPAA. noticed this before, but the com- on the commentary, they're like, yeah, so Kirsten Dunst, when she goes out to talk to him, she's holding a beer bottle, and so now it just looks like she has palsy or something. <laughs> so I, I, I was watching it my second time, and I'm like, holy fuck, she's holding something. That's so fucking weird to look at, because she's like got her hand all <laughs> Weird. No, they. I I learned about that about them doing that from the can't hardly wait commentary. Oh, did because they, do the they same CG thing? out so much alcohol in that. There's this scene where a dude is holding a bong and they CGI'd it so he's holding a balloon. What the fuck? Oh my god, I'm gonna have to watch that again because that's. <laughs> oh, they yeah they they change so much stuff in some of these movies. It, it's so it's weird. ridiculous. Che- teenagers drink, you know that, right? Yeah, but they're but like that's that was their rule. I. I don't know if it still is, but that was their rule in the late 90s is you can't show teenagers drinking without consequences. You could show like you could show the scene with Charlie Corsmo where he drinks the beer and he's like, oh, God, the beer has gone bad. You know, you could show that scene because it's a negative scene of him drinking. Okay. yep. But you can't show them drink and not suffer some sort of consequence for it. That's pretty funny. They're sitting there on on the bench and. Burke is Burke is bummed at this point because you know Allison just told him to fuck off. This is the low point where you know I've I, we've all been there. You know it's yep. a thing. And he's like, you know, Kelly, why the fuck do you hang out with me? I'm just a fucking loser. And Allison thinks I'm a loser. And she's like, yeah, but she just doesn't get it. And maybe you know, maybe maybe you just need to focus on somebody with bigger boobs. <laughs> uh, of course, they kiss, and it's it's beautiful, and it has one of the most perfect music cues ever. This What's song, the music cue? Uh, it's it's a song called "The Shining" by Badly Drawn Boy, and I love the. I love the guitar riff. It's really pretty and nice. I'm getting nothing in my in my ears here. Now I've fallen in deep, slow, silent sleep. It's killing me. I'm dying. This is one Let's of those see. scenes where, like, I kind of want to slap everybody involved, but it's not because anything is inauthentic about the scene it's because everything's authentic about the scene (laughs) and i just want to be like you guys should all be doing better than this but we're not really just because i want better for you as characters you know so i don't don't want you to go through this bullshit right oh it also cuts to a fan a forest fantasy by the way while he's kissing her oh that's right Um, another one of those fucking forest fantasies but he cuts he cuts the kiss short he stands up and he's like dude we can't do this she's like why 
He's like, you're Felix's little sister. And she reacts appropriately to uh, that line. He's like, screw you. And then she leaves. And then right by, right on her heels, fucking Felix is there. He's like, dude, what the hell is wrong with you? And he punches Punch. him in the face. He doesn't deserve that. But no, this is this is where, again, yeah. Felix is doing that toxic masculinity thing, which, as I said before, it's era accurate. You can maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know how to handle this because I never had a little sister. I had a very much older sister and she didn't care. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't there for when my little sister started dating, you know, like I was already out of the house at that point. But I can I can I can see it. I can see it going down like that because I was just as into the toxic masculinity thing at that time. Regrettably, you have, you have to defend the ladies. I don't have a problem with I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with like standing up for somebody who's being victimized. Somebody was, not just because they're women. Yeah, but th- but this is not a case of her being victimized. This is a no. case of she was where she wanted to be. He yeah. was where he wanted to be. They were doing something they both wanted to be doing. He just got uncomfortable about it. And then this guy comes in and it like has to make the assumption that anybody who's kissing his sister must be victimizing her because <laughs> she's yeah. the, you know, it, it's that whole virginity worship thing, which is bullshit. The nice thing is, is that she calls him out on it later. Yeah. That's what, I, that's what I like about this is that's part of why this movie has aged better than a lot of movie, a lot of its contemporaries. Because Isn't it weird? she gets her moment later where she's like, you know what? I wanted to do that. The parents come home though. <laughs> in the middle of this party. <laughs> and kill it again. I love these two. Uh, they're like, what the hell is this? Kind of like that 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 moment for a second. He's like, finally, they're gonna be parents. <laughs> and, then, and then they they changed the line. Originally, it was, why didn't you tell us you were having a party? We could have sprung. We could have sprung for an extra keg. But I'm then, sure I had a feeling that's what it was originally too. But in the movie, we could have sprung for a DJ. And he's like, Reverend's daughter Judy just took a dump in our pool, and you want to spring for a DJ? And then Ed Bagley Jr. goes and he dances while he says it. He's like, that's what makes us so fly. And then, and then the Later. mom holds up a string of condoms and she goes, we trust you. And then my favorite line in the movie, you're my parents for God's sake. Stop trusting me. <laughs> that's actually, that's Begley, pretty funny. I'll go get the skimmer. After the party, they have a nice uh, reflective moment. Ben and uh, Burke and Kelly each go lay on their respective beds. This is where the deleted scene comes in with the mother. She walks into the bedroom and she's like, well, what's what's wrong? Do you have a good time? He's like, yeah, uh, Kelly kissed me. She's like, Kelly kissed you? Like, yeah, th- but she was drunk. And then the mom goes, wait, Kelly drinks? Like she was offended by it? I'm like, wait, what? Maybe it's just because it's not her kid. But then then she actually, like the rest of the scene is actually pretty good. Uh, she, she says, you know why we don't give you any rules, really? Because we don't have to. We trust you. You're a good kid. And I'm like, oh, he is actually a good kid. Like it's, He's not a fucking asshole like some of these idiots are. I like that scene. It was kind of nice, except for that part where she got really weirded out by Kelly drinking. But then we cut to then then it's uh, Kelly and Felix and he's, you know, doing the that that's where she can. She says, you know, it's like, dude, I wanted to be there and it's fine. And Felix is, of course, like, well, but he's pretty screwed up like right now. I don't know why he did. And she's like, it's fine. I wanted to do it like I get it, but it sucks. But then the brother says, you know, I'm not thrilled about it. But if he doesn't see how great you are, then basically he's the dumbass. Fair enough. It's kind of a sweet scene. He's still functioning in. In that zone as a character but she sort of gets her moment to set him straight and then he's he comes out and supports her yeah he, so it's it, it's a sweet scene he's looking out for her i get it it's it's you know but he's doing the he's doing the best he can but calm the fuck given down. his character yeah. but yeah seriously like let's but then burke got her a present earlier when they were rehearsing that's why he went into the music store it's a voice recorder and he records a little message on it on my second watch (laughs) i completely forgot that he got that for her (laughs) i knew he got something from the music store but i couldn't as she's opening it i'm like what the fuck is in that bag i just watched it 
yesterday. It's a voice recorder and it has, he's like, you know, I, I heard song, songwriters use these things. If anybody could fix Forrest Oat's song, it's you. You're awesome or whatever it says. It's, it was pretty sweet. It was, Yeah, it was like something like, I believe in you. Yeah, that's what it was. She officially, she's officially inspired to start finishing the song that we heard her playing on the piano earlier. Mm-hmm. Which uh, she finishes while half drunk the night before the play. And she yeah. writes sheet music for it. Don't you know that most musicians work better when they're drunk? <laughs> That's actually not inaccurate at all. That's true. Remember, remember, uh, Losers Take All? Lance and I play better when we drink. The problem is <laughs> I don't buy her making enough sheet music for the entire orchestra. Yeah, I just just go with it. Burke has another fantasy, and it starts Jesus, out... Burke and his fucking fantasy I told you he us. needs therapy. Uh, it starts out... It seems like it's going to serve as the whole as the aha moment where he's like, oh, fuck, I'm in love with Kelly, actually, because she's there, and she, he's kissing Allison at first, and then it kind of, she kind of morphs into Kelly, and she's like, well, now it's time you start dreaming of someone else. And then everybody else starts popping up, and they're like, just... It's everybody saying lines from the movie that just drive him fucking crazy you, know, you were the quintessential high school couple if i had done the thing with your girlfriend's fantasies whatever just basically cuts to him rage waking <laughs> yes again. this again. is this is one of those moments where it's cgi'd and it's like why because this final shot with him lying on his pillow he's not lying on his pillow he's standing in front of a green screen and it's just like of all the things to cgi you couldn't just do the shot with him lying against a pillow i mean all right you want to do it vertically that's fine maybe they wanted it to look a little fucking bed up maybe they wanted it to look like he was floating it's showtime almost now they have to replace the guy who drank the puke punch (laughs) so Uh, fucking gross and they 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 replace him with dennis but forest oats sits sits everybody down and he's like all right is there anybody that can take this take the booze hound's place he says even though i'm pretty sure there was no booze in the punch Uh, put your hand down little steve put your hand down Steve uh then he's like okay okay next question is there anybody who at all is good on their feet uh a turn an attitude of any kind with a pose then he turns which made me laugh and then Dennis raises his hands all timidly which is funny because Cisco is this like super confident guy who I hear is a super just nice dude not like not like pop star assholey at all that's good which is kind of I like that I hope that's true I me too and he's like well sometimes the coach calls me crazy legs and then Martin Short does his. Does he? He's such a prick. Like he takes every opportunity to be a dick to uh, these poor students. Then Dennis teaches Basin. Basin's been having trouble with this one spinning dance move the whole time. Basin. Where the I don't fuck know. did that name come from? Who knows? But then Dennis obviously has been paying attention while he's been working with the stage crew. He's like, oh, he's I been learned. Paying attention to her. Yeah. Well, because he's been watching her the whole time. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, I've been. I learned this watching in the wings. He says. Yeah. So he like teaches her how to do the move. He's very very into her and it's obvious from that first interaction hey man she's cute it's all right i know she i looks know. like a child uh, she looks like she just hit puberty they like each other though that's yeah, been like do. a whole little weird like a like a tiny little plot throughout the whole thing that is the b plot of the movie kelly gets the sheet music for her song to felix who then will eventually deliver it to the orchestra in the front <laughs> there showtime for real all i wrote down was it's a doozy and they set up <laughs> that um What's her name? The the hot blonde is in the orchestra. Oh, Doralyn. Yep. Yeah. And a disaster does happen with her, but it's not caused by her. And so that kind of felt like a lack of payoff on that. She whole has thing. bad luck. Yeah. I don't know. I Because I kind of got that she is always the cause of it. Me too. But, you know. And then, yeah. And then in this case, she's not. But yeah, I don't know. It's It just felt like a lack of payoff for that. Because as soon as they showed her, I was like, ooh, what... <laughs> What shenanigans is she about to get up to? And then she doesn't. She's just the victim of, you know, the bad luck. So this fucking thing starts. 
and it's one of the most ridiculous things ever. And you hate it, and I love it because it's so fucking stupid. Did you ever read a Shakespeare play and never understand a word they say? Well, tonight we're gonna make things clear because Shakespeare's dead. But we're up It's Midsummer Night's Dream with it, shitty high school yeah. teacher written pop lyrics. Well, the funny part is watching all the characters in the audience react to shit. Because when they get done with that first song, Forrest Oates is like clapping and all happy. But then you see all the people around him going like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I mean, it's like the opening song is just so condescending in that. I mean, it's, it's very appropriate because this character is so condescending and full of his own shit that it makes sense that this song would be very condescending and full of its own shit because it's like yeah bill shakespeare was great but he he's unintelligible so that's why we're here to fix it basically don't worry i'll throw in a couple clips so you can you can hear some of the lines it's yeah. pretty funny it's true i don't understand a goddamn word that motherfucker says i don't like shakespeare shakespeare makes sense when you watch a good actor perform him you know what i don't want to do watch any actor perform him i disagree with you you can you can have it it's all yours. I don't love watching Shakespeare, but when you watch Shakespeare done by a good actor, it makes sense. I'm also not hugely into theater, so it it works in movies too. It's all it's all a question of whether the actor gets what's being done there. And if the actor does, it tends like, to work. I don't like movies anymore. <laughs> you are on the wrong <laughs> podcast, friend. <laughs> So it gets to a point where they're they're doing the where they're about to do Kelly's song. You see Felix down there handing the sheet music to the orchestra people, and he's like, "You know that song, Pocketful of Dreams." And then the dudes will go down here. We call it Pocketful of Ass, <laughs> and that's pretty funny. And then Dora Lynn gets it, and she's like, "Oh, this is different. Ha ha ha! Stupid joke." So during the intermission, Again, I totally expected her to fuck something up during the song. Yeah, me too. Right? But, Lack of payoff. So we cut to the the two stagehands. They're just sitting there talking, watching watching uh, Burke's parents on TV, and one of them's like, "I called them once for." advice and the other guy's like really and he's like yeah i had zits on my balls <laughs> the other one looks at him like what the fuck he's like oh they're gone now they're gone now striker comes in and says hey i want to make a deal with you we're gonna do this there's there's an effects cue and i want it to go off in burke's face basically so he gives them 47 dollars to do that <laughs> Such a specific amount. I love it. And then on the commentary, they, they're like, it's, it's like the, it's like Die Hard. He's so fucking over the top about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Allison pulls Burke aside and where she does this thing like, you know, I'm sorry about all the stuff. Can we just go back to being friends? And he's like, this yeah. is at the halfway. Th uh, yeah, this, this is, is at the intermission. In the, in the, the intermission. Play. Yes. She's like, can we just go back to being friends? And he's like, yeah, sure. It's that's, that's fine. Well, she doesn't say, could we go back to being friends? She's like, can we just go back to what it was like before this all happened? Yeah. Well, she's, she specifically says the word friends stuff oh does she and then she says as for everything else well and then she kisses him 
and then Kelly sees and she doesn't like freak out or cry or anything. She just kind of goes like, well, I mean, she was helping him yeah. try to get his girlfriend yep. back. She's like, well, shit, it works. That This part annoyed me, though, because I, I hate that. I hate that so much. It's in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. It's the same fucking thing. I do not like that where they're like, shit's going bad over here. So I'm going to come back to you. Yeah, Ugh. it's it's an unhealthy thing to do yes i buy it from high schoolers i totally buy it it doesn't feel inauthentic it's just i want better for these characters because i actually do like them i like her too you know she's not a bad person she's just a kid trying to get through her day i feel bad for her because this is not going to help the situation <laughs> yeah and then uh kelly gets her song it's a pretty song about loving somebody and it, it's it's got some shakespeare words in it and shit and forest Oates is annoyed but happy that everybody likes it i guess because everybody thinks he wrote it chester's in the audience the dog he's got a little little girlfriend i don't know why he's there that's just a yeah, dumb payoff for makes no reason no fucking sense i wrote down that burke is terrible in the play but i like the monologue where he confesses his love to kelly because it's kind of adorable and he's making it up on the spot not ben yeah, foster but the burke in the in the yeah, play it's not a good monologue well no it's just he's making it he's up doing yeah it. i used to know this like by heart because i watched this movie so many times <laughs> now i can't quite remember it of all the movies to pick to learn the monologue by heart from he changes the the whole ending of the play and he's like you know i'm gonna go with helena instead of hermia because that's just who i'm actually in love with her helena is kelly by the way and then once they kiss striker goes hey wait 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 a minute you can't just change it you can't just change 400 year old literature it's not even supposed to rhyme <laughs> i do not like it in a moat i do not like it in a boat <laughs> he's doing it all with that absurd accent which honestly i kind of have to respect the actor for being able to commit to the accent while doing this scene you know he's not a particularly good actor or anything but he does stick with the accent even though it fluctuates in and out because it's a fake accent so are it works you, on that level are you telling me that you didn't love a walk to remember that was him yes oh my god no i I, ne I never even saw a walk to remember i just saw the trailer guess what you're not missing much of my sister fucking loved that movie when it came out i was a romantic dweeb so i fucking liked it and now I'm like, that movie sucks. Doesn't fucking, she die in the end? Or yes, something? Nicholas Sparks sucks. Stop oh, making was fucking, Nicholas Sparks. Stop story? making movies based on his dumb fucking books. <laughs> oh my god, Dear John was a piece of shit. The only one that's actually good is The Notebook, and that's only because of the actors playing the characters in the movie. That's true. Yeah. If it wasn't Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams, I don't think I'd be able to no, get through it. No, James Garner too. Fucking oh James yeah, James, great. yeah, James Garner's really good in that. And and the um the gal who plays the older version of her, she's remember. really good too. I'm like Nick Cassavetes is a good director and everything, but yeah, the story's ridiculous. Like, can we kill them so we can go home now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so as Stryker's having his little fucking freak out on the stage, he has a sword in his hand and he's like wiggling it around on the effects guys because the signal was when he raises his sword. The effects guys go like, dude, push the button, push the button, and it blows up in his face and <laughs> earlier i don't know why they didn't correct him because i don't think they care he said when he was trying to make the deal he's like oh look all it'll do is scare him but apparently that's not true because when it goes off he blows off the stage <laughs> falls into the orchestra pit launches doral in up in the air felix like way <laughs> up in the air felix, to the top of the auditorium yes felix catches her like andre the giant did to princess buttercup <laughs> in fucking princess bride like it's exactly the same effect yeah like, it's the same thing and i'm like Sure. If you're here at this point, you're along for the ride. You might as well just accept it. There's a better movie, but this isn't it. <laughs> this is the movie you watch when you want something dumb and kind of funny. And if you want to see Ben Foster before he became like the Ben Foster that we all know now, that's fun. That is an interesting thing to see. So now everyone's all paired off except for Allison and Stryker. Like they're still Allison. <laughs> Allison's got nobody. Stryker has nobody. He's going to go home and spank it to his fucking Love Scud video probably. He didn't end up getting together with the best friend? That's Dennis. I said Stryker. Yeah, Stryker. The best friend. The um. Oh, Maggie. Oh, maybe. Zoe Zaldana. 
Maybe. Like they're they're not a thing now. She's kind of she's kind of out of the movie after they. Yeah, that's true. Know. She never she never makes a reappearance. But is shit going to be super awkward? Because they have to do this again. Yeah, tomorrow night. <laughs> before yeah, we Kirsten had, Dutz has the line, you know we got to do this again tomorrow night. Before we get to that re- revelation there, Felix shows up as every as Burke and Kelly come out of like the dressing room or something with Dora Lynn. And he's like, oh, you're so bad. You were aiming for my seat, weren't you? She's like, yeah, maybe just a little, huh? He's like, give me a second. I'm going to go talk to them real quick. And then he, he get, puts the finger, you know, like one minute. But then she like puts it in her mouth and he's like, ah. <laughs> she like gives him a finger blow job. Like, <laughs> Whoa. Then he walks up to Kelly and Burke and he's that like, was aggressive. Yeah. Well, she is. He walks I like up, it. She, he walks up to Kelly and Burke and goes, I'm not thrilled about this, but if it has to be somebody, man, I'm glad it's you. He's like, you're not going to hit me again, are you? <laughs> oh, wait, no. Burke comes up by himself. And that's when Felix gets all serious. He's like, I'm not thrilled, but you know, if it has to be someone, I'm glad it's you. And then Kelly comes up. And he's like, hey, hey, you guys were good. <laughs> funny. <laughs> and as Felix, oh, he, Burke asks, he's like, aren't you a little afraid of the whole, he's like, accident prone? Oh, no, I think she's going to have a change of luck. It, it'll be fine. Let's go get some dim sum because that went so well last time. And this is, another, back. this is another line I say a lot sometimes, and I don't know why. As she, as Felix and Dora walk away, a stage light falls down and then Burke goes, that's okay. That's fine. I always say that because, <laughs> because of this movie. <laughs> The fact that you have to be quoting this movie to be like, that's okay, that's fine. It's, I've, it's I, ridiculous. I never said it before this movie, and I said it all the time yeah. after this. No, I get it. It's just so silly. You, again, with your fucking like deepest <laughs> of the deep cuts, the quote that literally no one but you can recognize. It's like you're making a profession out of drawing blank stares. Well... Welcome. We got to Stryker like walking out these. Oh, the, the fucking. I keep on keep on like skipping steps here. The two stage crew guys are like talking about what just happened. They're like, dude, you know, that thing blew up and we totally and, scorched oh, his oh, face. We, he, he went off like we went off the stage like 20 feet and then she took off like this beautiful rocket into the into the sky. And then and then. Geez, oh, that's right. Then he walks. By. Stryker comes walking. It's like, dude, we burned the shit out of his face tomorrow night. Same, same thing. Same thing. <laughs> That then Kelly goes, you know, we have to do this again tomorrow. How do you think it'll end? And he's like, I don't know. Uh, and then they, they walk away into the fantasy forest. Little Steve, as the fairy comes in and gives us the end. Yes. And then we get credits. Cut to Cisco. <laughs> credits with Cisco and Vitamin C singing a song that's popular. I can't remember the title of it, but it's that. Lap September. Yeah. 21st night of September. And Was it Earth, Wind, and Fire? That's not my era, man. Suffice to say, every September, Reddit loses its shit for a day. (laughs) But hey, uh, oh, do you remember the 21st night of September? No, because we were all reeling from 10 days prior to that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) They had no idea what what was coming that September. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, so, so that's get over it. Uh, I had completely <laughs> forgot between the beginning of the podcast and now that this was released just months before September 11th. This is the prelude to September 11th. This is why the terrorists came. No, not this really. is what pushed them over the edge. I like this movie. I know you didn't. No. But no, that's okay. I'm not saying it doesn't have any redeeming qualities. I'm not saying that it doesn't have charming moments. And I'm not even saying don't watch it. You don't need to. But if you feel inclined to, you're not going to like hate your life for it. If you've seen She's All That a few too many times and you just want something else, watch this. That's firmly within that genre, but that is trying to do something else with it. Swing and a miss is the byword for this movie for me. Like, I, I definitely respect that they were trying to do some things. I just, it, it didn't work. Are those your final thoughts? It didn't work. Yeah. It didn't for work you? for me. 
it's an interesting case study. It's it's worth watching for at the least. analytical value of looking at what they were attempting to yeah. do and how they failed to achieve it. And Martin Short is really, really funny in it. He's the only thing that's really funny in this, yeah. which is why, honestly, like I said, you can just watch the out his outtakes. They put his outtakes in a reel that is funnier than this entire movie. I would not say this movie is good, no. but it's enjoyable, especially if you're into dumb shit from the late 90s, early 2000s. It has that feel to it. Yeah, I think I think it's your nostalgia. Oh, is, oh, yeah. No, it is. connecting you with this movie. And I don't blame you. I'm not, I'm not judging. It's just I don't have the same level of nostalgia. When I watched this in the theater, I was like, why the fuck did that movie ever get made? I bought this without ever going without like oh we're gonna do it for the podcast i just wanted it i get it i have those movies warrior and the sorceress i bought that years before we ever did this <laughs> podcast so so we both understand so i yeah. like it watch it if you feel like it if you don't it doesn't really fucking matter nobody else is gonna watch it anyways i'll, I'll watch it enough for everybody do check out martin short's uh deleted scenes though because they're pretty they're pretty good yeah. they're pretty good so uh so that's it that's get over it and now i'm over it i've been over it <laughs> <laughs> I was over it in 2001. Why don't you guys get the fuck over it and come follow us on some social media on everything at the Shark Pod? Definitely do that. And if you're not over it, you can give us money to be less over it at Patreon, where we're doing all sorts of weird shit. What the fuck are we even doing now? 2022, a year in the asylum, where we're talking about a bunch of mockbuster bullshits by the as- bullshits <laughs> by <laughs> by the asylum. The guys who fucking did Sharknado and all that shit. There's multiple episodes in yeah. there from 2020 to a year in the asylum as well as the entirety of 2021 the 13th thank you for completing my thought for me because my brain just took a fucking shit as it always does around this time because self-promotion is weird for me come to patreon.com slash hollywood and you can fucking give us a dollar a thousand dollars it doesn't matter you'll be able to hear all that shit i've said it before and i'll say it again if you give us a thousand dollars i will personally send you a dick pic if you want it it may or may not be his but he'll yeah, send I'm you not one. making any promises there <laughs> But hey, uh, I think we're done. Are we done? What are we doing next time? I totally fucking forgot. I don't think we had a plan. We don't have a plan. I asked oh you, and I think you told me, but I forgot to write it down, so I do not remember. So okay. we'll, be, we'll, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a surprise, because neither of us know what the fuck we're doing. But that's <laughs> we're, okay. We're going to have to sit down and hammer it out after we yeah. get done with this. Yeah, it's, it's fucking, it's serious stuff. But hey, come back in a couple weeks for whatever it is we decide to do. It'll be fun, just like this. It'll, it'll be all right. But until then... Stage awesome.